Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Your once-weekly live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Rhett. <laughs> that was almost as delayed as our first show. <laughs> oh, man. It, it felt like I was going quickly, but I think I'm getting a lot of latency today. Okay. So, yeah, so you're going to be just me. a little bit behind? All right. I guess so. Welcome to the show, everyone. Glad you could join us here on this Wednesday evening. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, we were having a great day until about five minutes ago when uh, some kind of solar flare knocked out most of Rhett's electronics. So. Yeah, all at once. <laughs> so we'll, hopefully he's with us for the rest of the show. Anyway, if you have not seen the show before, it's our once weekly live show. We stream every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific time. We talk beer on the show. We talk tech on the show. And we open some beverages along the way. Uh, we do drink alcohol. However, we keep the show family friendly in both language and content as much as possible. If you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let me know in the chat and we'll give some early show shout outs as we go along. Now, for some longtime viewers, we're actually going to start changing up the format of the show just a little bit. Um, it's still going to be a, a topical news show, but we're kind of desegmenting it. Uh, we're not necessarily going to start with 20 minutes of beer news every week. Uh, it started to feel kind of like we were just filling time with that segment. And I don't really want to cost myself viewership if I'm not enjoying the content that's there. And so we're going to start looking specifically for stories that we want to talk about in beer, or maybe just open up different conversations, not necessarily news stories, um, and more spread them out throughout the entire show rather than devoting literally 25% of the show to beer news. So a little bit of a change. Hopefully it's for the better. And uh, what that means is we get into tech a lot faster. So let me know what you think of that. Uh, Rhett, you already, you've already got a drink. That's not fair. Yes, I do. Sorry. Well, you know, like I said, every, solar flare hit my house. I had to pour a drink. So <laughs> getting hot in here, you know. But uh, yeah, I'm drinking a... Um, kind of a spin on a classic i guess you could say just drinking a classic seven and seven but with some ginger extract uh and it. it's uh it's really tasty so nice very nice um i'll get to mine in just a minute mine's a little bit special uh let's see we got novella hub uh kcbc this is your brain on hops double ipa 8.5 percent uh uh, Reverend, uh, sipping on a peach sour Nova from Almanac. Nice. Uh, Widmer drop top. That's always a great one. Kildy. Um, yeah. So some good beers there. Very good beers there. I've, I've had the sour Nova and I've had, uh, uh, obviously I've had the Widmer drop top. So those are both solid. Uh, my beer for tonight came courtesy of Novella hub there in the chat and over on the discord. Um, this one, we're, I don't know if I'm going to be opening two beers tonight. I think I'm just going to stick with the one, uh, because this is a big one. And by big, I mean, <laughs> it's a freaking large bottle. Uh, this is inbound brewing, uh, barrel aged Russian Imperial stout. It's a mm. 13%. Um, and it's, I believe, uh, a, uh, one pint, nine ounce. So it's like a pint and a half. <laughs> so... There's a lot of beer here. Um, I almost thought I forgot my knife, so I wasn't going to be able to open the wax top here. 
He says he's only opening one tonight, but you know by the time we get done with this, we'll see how he's the probably show probably gonna be trying to we'll see how the show goes. Get into something else. Yeah. Yeah. My problem is is I'm reaching the bottom of a lot of my my beer stock, and all that's left at the bottom of my beer stock are really big beers. Um because my my cupboard for just like standard IPAs and and porters and things, it's gone. I, I have nothing left. Um, so I do have the, the large batch of beer that, uh, that by my bits sent over a couple of weeks ago, but it's not in a fridge yet. Cause our fridge was delayed by almost three weeks in getting here. So it's sitting in a box in the garage right now. Um, and this fridge is completely out of room. <laughs> so yeah, we saw the video. Yep. All right. Uh, by the way, shout out to bite my bits. Crossing 100,000 subs. Um, crap, now he's a peer. I have to treat him as such. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that. He's going to get that, that plaque on his wall. and ugh, Just disgusting, thinking him and I are in the same class. <laughs> <laughs> but congratulations, Jason. Way to go. It just took you twice as long as it did me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ooh, Wow. No, I think this is going to do it. This is going to do it for tonight. Uh, world peas, Jeff, that beer is bigger than my bladder. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, it doesn't pour like used motor oil. It's actually a little bit lighter body to it. Yeah, I can see that. Not much of a head either. Oops. Hey, somebody's drinking their first, well, maybe not their first, but made their first old-fashioned ever. Ooh. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, ID Prom? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, he uh, blamed me for uh, for getting him into old-fashioned, so he's been, uh, I guess, starting to get into him a little bit and buying some different whiskeys and whatnot, so you're welcome. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> Uh, well, give us a taste of that. Let yeah. us know how that is. Everything is right with the world. Mm. <laughs> That's what it tastes like. Um, it definitely, it's definitely a lot thicker on your tongue than it is in the glass. Um, mm. Boy, there's a little bit of coffee to that. Um, I don't want to say chocolate. It's it's a it's a richer flavor, but it's not the traditional like dark chocolate or cacao kind of flavor you get with, you know, a, a thick hearty stout. It's a little bit I want to say a little bit fruitier than that. Um, like like think like super dark fruit like like rhubarb, pie cherries, kind of kind of that just rich rich really dark fruit taste. Um. God, it looks good. Oh, that's good. It looks so good. Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, man. There's a little bit of vanilla there. Yeah, that's just good. <laughs> Reverend should have said something in the lawsuit about you getting his plaque. 
Mohammed wants to know, Craft, are you using Arch Linux? If not, why? Um, because it's one of dozens of variants and builds and distros of Linux. It's not the only. So I just don't. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Dave's drinking a Sierra Nevada Torpedo. Excellent. Always love that little uh, tropical IPA. Um, all right. Uh, John says, not that there's anything wrong with Rhett, but I thought there was the possibility of a special guest. Um, I ended up not reaching out. Um, I, uh, I've had kind of a long week and I didn't want to go through planning and, and all that kind of stuff, but I do have a special guest coming on July 15th. We will have a special live show with a special guest who has not been on the show before. So I'm looking forward to that one. Not that you guys aren't great, Rhett, you know. <laughs> no, no. I get you. <laughs> it, look, the truth is, if Jeff's looking forward to it, we're all looking forward to it, too. So. Yeah. What in the world happened to your camera feed? All of a sudden, you're tiny. Um, oh, Rhett's network bandwidth is low. And so all of a sudden, you switch to <laughs> 360p. Dude, sorry, guys. Yeah, not sure what's going on. I had zero problems all day. And it was yep. like the moment that this started. Um, you can all thank Comcast. Or not. Yep. <laughs> Do something with Comcast, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get into our first story. And again, we're going to jump right into tech this time around. Uh, so I don't know how many people know the long history of Apple and CPU use because it kind of winds through the industry. Um, obviously with their pre, uh, Power Mac days, their pre G3 days, they used, uh, primarily IBM and, uh, uh, IBM based processors. Um, moving on, <laughs> uh, boot my bits on cam, 100,000, $5 from big, big spoon. I already gave him a shout out and he's not here to boop. It's no fun if he's not here to boop. So... And I can't virtually boop Rhett's nose because by the time it gets to him, it'll the joke will be gone. So <laughs> it, it, his ping rate sucks right now, man. Sorry. Uh, but thank you, Big Big Spoon, for the $5 donation. And again, Jason, congratulations. Um, anyway, so early on, they, they used uh, IBM, uh, or not, not IBM, uh, but Motorola-based processors. Uh, later on, IBM started producing PowerPC-based processors. Uh, Motorola also manufactured some for them, and that was the PowerPC G3, G4, G5. Um, that road didn't really end, but Apple decided that it wasn't the the power that they wanted. They weren't getting out of PowerPC anymore, and Intel was kind of coming out with this new thing with dual core and and you know starting to put multiple chips on the same die uh, back in 2006, and in 2005. Apple announced that they're going to start going with Intel-based processors. Um, and that was a pretty major shift for Apple. It was a complete shift in their architecture from a PowerPC base to an x86-64. Um, it, it changed how Apple used... Uh, <laughs> Jason, $5. I want my play button back. No, it's mine! 
you know, some of us earned our 100,000 subscribers. We didn't have to, you know, borrow or steal things from, from anyone else, Jason. So, you know, we'll... <laughs> so, sorry about that, but it's mine. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send you pictures of it occasionally. And I think Rhett is frozen. This could make for an interesting show. Um, I'm back. He's back. Yeah, All right. this is like the worst thing ever. <laughs> I don't know what the heck is going on. I want to rip my hair out. But yeah, I was sitting here listening to you talk and then Zoom just yeah. just closed. Just closed <laughs> on me. So living the best life over here. Yep. Trying not to hurt myself. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, PowerPC just was not holding up to what Intel was able to put out in early 2006. And so Apple made the announcement in 2005 that as of 2006, they would start migrating Macs over to Intel. And uh, by 2007, all new Macs would be Intel-based. And uh, like I said, that was pretty big news. I mean, it, it allowed PC people to come over to the Macintosh side, and it allowed easier development uh, for, for Mac software. Because uh, you're no longer writing for a different architecture anymore. It's literally the same architecture with a different OS, different drivers. And that that's way easier to achieve than, you know, completely different zeros and ones on the back end um, and different instruction sets. So uh, that was a big move. Uh, now, during that announcement, Steve Jobs said, getting us over to Intel processors is going to have a set for pretty much the next 10 years. Um, and that announcement was in 2005 and it was kind of an interesting announcement because, um, people went, you're already planning on moving off of Intel. You know, it is kind of the subcontext to that. Um, and yes, actually in 2005, they were already looking ahead and saying, we're going to move away from Intel. Intel's kind of the stopgap for right now. Uh, what they're going to do, and this was probably planned all the way back then, is move over to ARM-based processors. Uh, and this is something that Apple has been threatening for probably the last 10 years, it's probably about 2010, 2011, is starting to develop Macintoshes, so actual desktop class hardware that runs on ARM. Um, well, the wait for that may finally be over as uh, there's been a number of news outlets coming out with, uh, pretty relevant sources uh, that say Apple may be announcing an ARM transition as soon as June 22nd. Uh, not that they're going to release anything, but this could be very similar to the uh, to the transition with Intel, where they say by 2021, we'll have some ARM products on the market. And by 2022, all you know new Macs will be ARM-based. Um, and it's not that there's no merits to going ARM. It's just a very large transition to put your users through. Um, I mean, it's not it, it's not an easy thing to do. Now, probably the main reason they're doing it is because they started manufacturing their own ARM processors and designing their own ARM processors for the iPhone and the iPad. And they've seen pretty good performance on those. Uh, I mean, you have some some iPad processors which are competing in a lot of tasks with surfaces running i7s and and whatnot. So they've they've closed the gap in performance by a significant margin. And if Apple were to take control of the CPUs, they don't have to wait for Intel to come out with new CPUs to update their hardware anymore. And they are not going to get stuck in this phase or this cycle where 
Intel literally is just recycling the same chips over and over and over again and calling them something new. And Apple has no new performance to give their users or in worst case, worse performance um, on a, a couple of different uh, CPU cycles that have gone through the mobile chips. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a difficult transition, but this time around, it actually might be easier because they've already established an ARM marketplace with the iPad and the iPhone. Um, Rhett, you're a developer, uh, you know, or kind of. <laughs> um, not in the Apple space, but... Not in the Apple space, but but you've, you've written software before and whatnot. Um, developing for different platforms is 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 not necessarily the easiest thing in the world to do. I think what Apple is trying to do here is put all of their eggs into a single basket and so you can write one application and have it work on three separate platforms. Right. Um and and when, that's that's what Apple does best to begin with. Mm -hmm. And you know, you know, that's why people like developing for Apple in general because if you like for instance, you know, if you're going mobile uh like the Apple store and everything obviously there's a huge you know apple has so much kind of market share there in the mobile space as it is so then you just kind of put everything on the same platform you're just making it that much more lucrative to people that want to get involved developing for apple um it makes sense to me mm -hmm. um you know and especially kind of i don't know if you were saying this earlier because your audio was cutting out but just uh with the move that they uh they uh, did buying up Intel's, uh, you know, 5G um, uh, manufacturing. Things like that. I mean, it's just, hmm. it's going to up their game. And I think it is going to be lucrative for a lot of, a lot of developers. So, yeah. Um, and, and I think you hit on a key point right there. Too with much there. Uh, just a little bit towards the end, but I got 99% of what you said. So I think we're good. Um, LOL, tell him to get off dial up. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, you hit on a really good point, and that is the 5G market. Um, Apple has also, for a significant amount of time now, wanted to control the entirety of their device internals end to end. That is design assembly, manufacturing, uh, fabrication, everything. Uh, and that includes possibly, you know, silicon, you know, making their own silicon in their own fabs. Um, they don't want to be at the beck and call of, or on the reliance of third parties anymore. You know, they're a, they're a trillion dollar company. They, they can do whatever the heck they want to do. They don't need to wait for Intel to come out with a new chip. They don't need to wait for Qualcomm to come out with a new modem, uh, or they don't want to anyway. Um, the, uh, the thing I think might've gotten lost at a little bit of this is Apple actually purchased Intel's 5G modem business earlier this year. Uh, and, uh, like I said, Apple has been buying modems from Qualcomm. Uh, and again, they've had to wait for Qualcomm to develop modems that they could then integrate into their phones uh, versus just developing their own modem that works natively with their own hardware. Uh, and 
can introduce power saving functionality with your own hardware. And it's just kind of one of those things, again, if you own the entire ecosystem and you own every single device that goes into your products, uh, you can you can tweak things to your heart's content. And you might be able to eke more battery life out than any other you know phone in that that's in production right now. You might be able to eke out more screen time uh, than any phone that's in production right now. You might be able to eke out more speed. Um, and it's just one of those things that uh, if you control everything, you're going to be your own, you know, best asset and your own, your own worst enemy because it all falls on you. But Apple is a large enough company with enough resources. They can do this. Um, and, you know, buying out Intel's 5G modem business, that's, that was one of many, many steps in this process that's leading to Apple going to ARM and developing their own, their own chips for, for desktop use. Are you frozen or are you just, oh, you're blinking. Okay, I got you. <laughs> so interesting time for Apple. Interesting time. Yeah, for... I'm not frozen. I'm okay. not frozen. <laughs> not the best call quality, but. Yeah, uh, definitely an interesting time for Apple. I'm definitely curious to see what this announcement is um, because uh, one of the most, uh, the most recent version of OS X, uh, Catalina, you can now run iPad and iPhone apps natively inside of OS X. Um, and they've been kind of consolidating their, their development stacks with, with metal and all of their different APIs that can integrate with all their different services. Um, and if they're bringing that all literally under one roof and you write the program once and send it out to three different platforms, that's a win for developers. That's a win for users. That's, that's a win for a lot of different, different aspects of your business. So I see this as a good thing, but there's going to be some growing pains over the next couple of years. And there's going to be some things that don't work. And there's going to be some customers that are ticked off that, you know, well, I have to transition, you know, my $5,000 software over to the new version because it's ARM only and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And that's, you're going to piss off some users doing this. But in the end, the users may actually win here. Um, or Apple will win because they can charge whatever they want for their hardware now because no one can compete with them on, on an equal playing field. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I do have a couple super chats to get to. Cisco fan, $5. Uh, hello, Kraft. I'm hanging out with Jason from Bite My Bits. Uh, well, there's no accounting for taste, but, uh, but thank you for, for coming on over to the stream and, uh, and hang out with, hanging out with me anyway. Uh, Spoon, uh, $5 donation. <laughs> DDWRT fan here, also hanging out with Bite My Bits. Yeah, I knew you did. Yeah. Uh, questional commands. Uh, uh, open sense user, extends pinky and sips beer, not associating with such ruffians. <laughs> you I like. Uh, Jason, $5. Next time, just use sweater vest voice and use a sock puppet for the video. <laughs> See how we'll just pipe you in with voice only, Rhett. <laughs> Yeah, true. Why not? <laughs> I may as well. Let's <laughs> uh, put a stupid shirt on it. And it's good to go. Mm -hmm. Or I guess a sweater vest, even though I've never worn a sweater vest in my life. I can't say that I haven't. Because <laughs> I, cause I totally have. <laughs> I don't think I currently own one. So I believe it. Uh, people are taking donations to get you an AOL floppy disk so you can uh, upgrade your Thank internet. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Y'all saw me last week and there was no problem. 
Dang yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens to John every week, and he always blames me. And what's funny enough is John was supposed to be on this week, and you're filling in, so you're getting throttled instead. Oh, my God. That's exactly what it is. This is John throttling you. Dude, here's the thing. As retaliation. Yeah, man, because... Yeah, you look at you look at uh, the death of net neutrality and how they can kind of selectively throttle you based on like certain shooting was going to have a partner. And when they saw that it was me signing up, they throttled me. Nice. And American Cosworth, uh, I just replied to him in chat, but uh, he says, Craft, uh, I have some beer coming for you. Uh, it's the F COVID beer from Ale Asylum in Madison, Wisconsin. So I'm looking forward to getting that one because I was wanting to get a hold of that. Uh, so, dude, thank you very much. That is freaking awesome. All right. Uh, moving on to kind of the top story of the week here. Uh by the way, beer news ends at 8.26. Oh, wait, that was Apple. <laughs> uh, I don't have to do that anymore. No. It's a new All one. All right. Uh, kind of the top story for the week, and this has been going on for five or six days now. Uh, I'm definitely not the first one to talk about this, and definitely won't be the last because uh, we're expecting an announcement here soon, especially with the number of very, very high-level leaks that we're getting on this, this product stack. Um, but, uh, video cards and chip hell, uh, were the two first to break the story of, uh, RTX 3080 new cooler design being pictured, um, along with, uh, a little bit of a shot of the PCB. Well, not much. You'd see the PCI express fingers and that's about it. Uh, but it's to say it's radically different than anything we've ever seen from NVIDIA before is kind of putting it lightly. Um, for all those that hated the XFX carbon fiber shroud, uh, you're probably not going to be a fan of this one. And you're also probably not going to be a fan of, well, the new fan design. Um, it's kind of funky where it sucks in air from the bottom and has a second fan up on the opposite side on the top of, of the PCB to blow air towards the top of your case. I kind of like the design and I like the theory of it. Here's a, a really good picture right here of it. Um, that uh, you're sucking in air from the bottom here, blowing it atop, across the top of your cart and then venting it out the top, which presumably goes to your standard PC case exhaust fan that sits there. So not a terrible way to design a card, um, especially if they have the room, seeing as how the PCB probably shrank quite significantly compared to the current generation of cards. Um, now, there were a lot of questions about whether or not this leak was legit because again, it's kind of radically different than anything NVIDIA has done before. Uh, not that we haven't seen a radical design before, you know, they, they obviously switched from the, uh, the Fermi and, and previous graphics cards with all the literal graphics slapped on top of them, you know, the GTX 2060 and, and whatnot with just the standard blower cooler to all of a sudden in the 700 series, they went to kind of the, the, the aluminum and, and angular design that we kind of know today. Um, and that's just seen various iterations that go down the line. Uh, but uh, this is definitely different <laughs> to say the least. Now, I'm sorry for all the dead air tonight. 
Um, I'm but, trying not uh, to talk too much just in case, you know, because I've been sensing a lot of delay and also yeah. a lot of, you know, kind of yeah. dropped voice data and stuff. So, yeah, I'm trying to give you a room to jump in there if you'd like and, and take a drink of beer every once in a while. So, so feel free to jump in and I'll stop talking if I there, hear you. So there's sure. I, I have nothing else to add too much other than to say, you know, I think everybody uh, in all the comment threads everywhere this story has been dropped saying the same thing. It's like, oh, man, it's only going to cost me, you know, uh, a down payment on my house or a second mortgage or whatever. So um, I, I didn't see it in this story, but I was reading earlier that it was looking like it was going to be like 1200 bucks or something like this when this dropped. Or am I on the wrong story? No, I'm not. No, you're not. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I think all all the leaks on pricing are going to be speculative at best at this point. Um, there hasn't been a great history of leaking information on uh, prices prior to NVIDIA launches before. Uh, right. But, you know, with as many leaks as we're getting right now, who knows? Uh, but one thing's for sure. Uh, NVIDIA is saying that, or someone is saying that the new graphics card cooler costs $150 to manufacture. I'm just oh, going to wow. go out on a limb and call BS. I'm going to call straight up BS that that costs $150. Uh, mainly because I've seen some pretty beefy heatsink solutions. You know, the Noctua NHD 15, the, the Assassin 3, the... Uh, Cooler Master Dark Rock Pro 4, you know, go down the list of these really, really large air cooler solutions, which have these massive heat pipes, a lot of aluminum fins, uh, massive contact plates, especially when you get into the Threadripper designed ones with where it's literally just like a copper block that sits down on top of your, uh, your CPU there. Um, those are selling for $100. And those companies are making a profit at that margin. Now... There's a little bit more componentry here, but probably less metal. I mean, there's two fans instead of one, although the NHD 15 comes with two, the Assassin 3 comes with two, the Dark Arc Pro 4 comes with two. So there's two fans. Uh, there's, there's probably heat pipes. There's probably aluminum fins. I don't know where they're getting $150 from. I, I, I literally can't fathom that it costs $150. Uh, a couple of, yeah, sorry. A uh, couple of super chats. Spoon again, $5. Donation to upgrade rat potato.com or potato cam, I guess. So yeah, Rhett, we got to get you on something better than a potato. And then Richard, $10 donation. You do a good job, Jeff. It's appreciated. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, actually, I was talking to Rhett last week after the stream, talking about how I need to get him a little bit better camera if we're going to do more remote stuff. And I just never connected with him this week. <laughs> so. Well, I thought I was going to have my camera fixed and I popped it apart and I soldered it. But the solder that I have is like really, really low grade stuff. And I wonder if that had some sort of an impact you know it's like yeah. not you know theoretically I, I i don't know how it is i guess with 
with the work I was doing, but um, you know, my experience is mostly music equipment and things like that. You want the least amount of lead in your solder possible. And the only stuff I have around is like just the lowest like, base, highest like 40%. lead solder. Yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> so I don't know if that had anything to do with it or just maybe the camera might be done and I just am unwilling to let it go. Yeah. Um, uh, my camera, uh, we, we have the same uh, 4K yeah. action cam. It's the eight-man action cam. It's the $60 package you can get on Amazon. And it's a pretty decent quality camera. But uh, mine, when I was shooting the time-lapse yeah. for uh, for building my studio here when I moved into the new house in, in December, um, you could literally watch pixels die in that time-lapse. <laughs> Uh, on the sensor so it's like it started with like one or two and by the end of those two or three days of time lapse i had like 70 pixels that were just shot on the camera you could watch them die as the time lapse goes along it's it's pretty funny i Um, mean it kind of goes to show you you know you get what you pay for yeah i jumped on the bandwagon and it did everything that i wanted it to do when i bought Mm -hmm. it you know it was worth 60 bucks it has all the best little attachments and and knickknacks come with it um but yeah, if it's done, it's done. You know, if I get another action camera, I'll spring for a GoPro. Uh, so Blue Mango says, did you try turning it off and on again? Yes, actually, he rebooted twice before we started the show tonight. Uh, and so so I was talking about Rhett's solar flares that were, that were shooting up. So we got connected. We got talking for a couple of minutes. And his phone literally bricked itself uh, <laughs> where he could still hear the zoom call going on, but his screen had hard locked. It was just on a black screen. Wouldn't respond to touch. Wouldn't respond to holding power button, anything that he tried. Um, I finally kicked him out of the zoom call and his phone kind of reset itself like five minutes later. Um, his computer hard locked on him. Uh, so he had to reboot that twice. Um, yeah, this was all like seven minutes leading up to the live show. Um, and then probably the, the best comment is, uh, uh, Jason, $2 talking to Rhett last week equals conversation still loading. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I pride myself on not being that guy in the zoom call. And here I am. Yeah. I did two other zoom calls today. No problem. But, uh, yeah. There's just something. It's the solar flares, man. Meanwhile, I'm I'm that other guy in the Zoom call that has a, a mirrorless SLR and an HDMI capture card for all of my Zoom calls. So <laughs> I've got the blurry background and you know the the proper lighting and everything else. And I, I look like a million bucks all the time. And then there's everyone else like hunched over a laptop on their couch, just or just like their phone, and they're just like, yeah, hey, how are yeah. you? Yeah, uh, we we have uh, one guy all the time who uh, walks out to his car because he doesn't get service in his house and he only has a cell phone. And so he walks out to his car, puts his cell phone in the in the holder, and he sits out there and talks and and talks to us in portrait mode uh, on his phone. And but it's like kind of looking up his nose and his steering wheels in the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cisco fan upgrade ret to three T one circuits. Are we going to shotgun those together and get, uh, you know, four and a half megs for him? Is, is that what we're going to do there? Uh, buy my bits, $2. Maybe you can mail a US mail him a USB with his, uh, maybe he can mail you a USB with his part of the show. Oh yeah. No, Sorry. I... That one. I, I thought I was having an aneurysm there because you, uh, you were making a joke by not including all the characters in that super chat. 
and my brain couldn't it's handle too it. clever yeah i do a lot of podcasting and that's what we do baby we zoom yeah. and call but we record ourselves and then we combine it no call call quality issues to take yeah. into account so we can do it you know what i'll start recording right now <laughs> just kidding <laughs> so yeah nvidia that 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 cooler is not going to cost you $150. You're not even going to sell that cooler for $150 because you're not going to sell it as an add-on part. Um, I don't know where that number is coming from. It doesn't make sense from a manufacturing standpoint. Um, I I don't know. It, who knows? Um, what, if you had to guess, you know, just going off what I was talking about earlier, you know, what, what would you speculate the cost of this to be when it drops? Uh, if we're talking about, well, good segue into specs here, because we do have some early specs. Um, so, so first off, we do have some better, better images of the heatsink itself. Someone actually drew them up and rendered them. Um, and they look fantastic. Uh, and then we have some pictures of the bottom side. And again, it's just a copper cold plate, some aluminum fins and not a lot else. I mean, I... This doesn't cost $150. It flat out doesn't. It's made out I'm, of I'm, platinum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there's some heat pipes underneath there. There's, you know, kind of an aluminum substrate to hold it all together. But, eh, I yeah, I don't get it. Um, but there were two different news outlets that did report spec leaks in the last couple of days. Uh, Tom's Hardware is one, and eTechnics is another. Um, and uh, they both agree that the top-end... NVIDIA flagship uh, Ampere card is probably going to have 24 gigabytes of GDDR6X memory, uh, which is a crap ton. And not only that, 384-bit uh, memory bus and a 350-watt TDP. Uh, so it's going to be a powerful boy and a little bit of a toasty boy. Um and I see why they completely redesigned their cooler for kind of a push-pull and let's get the air out of the case, but also yeah. have it kind of be like a hybrid open, you know, open air kind of cooler design. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how it performs. I, yeah. I really am. Um, but uh, there's two other graphics cards listed in here. So we think that... They're all going to be based on the GA102, and it's either going to be the 70, the 80, the 90, or the 70, the 80, and the 80 Ti, or the the 80, the 80 Ti, and the 80 Super Ti Titan, <laughs> blah, 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 I don't know. Um, but we have leaks for three different cards. Uh, we don't have any CUDA core counts. We don't have any RTX core counts, tensor core counts, anything like that. All we know or think we know is the memory amounts and, uh, and the memory interface. And on the, uh, second tier 102, it's 11 gigs of GDDR6X and 352 mega, uh, a bit memory bus. And on the lower tier, it's 10 gigabytes and 320 bit. Um, and like I said, both uh, Tom's Hardware and eTechnics agree on all of those specs right there. Um, however, only the top tier uh, RTX 3090 will have an NV link. Um, so NVIDIA once again, you know, doubling down on multi-GPU support is dead. Don't even try because <laughs> you can't anymore. Um 
As far as performance, who knows? Again, uh, you can you, you can make some educated guesses if we had CUDA core counts or or even some other some other core counts. Um, but until we know some of the architectural changes that have been made, I'm assuming they're going to be moving to seven nanometer. Uh, at least that's what I've heard. Um, I guess TSMC was slated to start fabbing some NVIDIA chips around this time. Um, so I can't imagine that they're um, or TSMC. I think it was TSMC. Uh, I can't imagine that they're switching over from from AMD seven nanometer and going back to to do 14 nanometer or 12 nanometer for NVIDIA. Um, so yeah, we'll, I guess we'll find out soon ish, soon ish TM. Yeah. They say uh, September mm -hmm. or yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like the, uh, uh, artisanal heat sink comments that I'm getting <laughs> handcrafted artisanal heat sink made in, made in Seattle barrel aged. <laughs> I'm loving all the attention that, uh, that my, my video feeds getting in the discord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you done screwed it up when, uh, it's the only focus of the dang chat in the, the discord there. Yeah. Uh, Carl says 700 Watts of GPU would be a bit crazy in one case though. Um, I have 900 Watts of GPU in the case, like literally right below me here. Um, I have my, my AMD Epic build, uh, 32 core, 64 thread with three GTX 690s installed. Um, and I'm hoping to get back to that later this week and, uh, and actually get like a test case built as far as six gamers, one, one CPU kind of build, but in a remote gaming fashion. So I might have a land party with uh, with you, Rhett, and uh, John and Steve, and have you guys just like log into my remote game server, and we'll land party on a single box. Yeah, what are we playing? I don't know yet, but three uh, gotta be. <laughs> maybe maybe that's maybe that's too obvious. Maybe we got to go with something a little bit more modern. Yeah, uh, Halo Three. There we go. Ooh, I'd play some Halo. Yeah. I'd, I'd be down for that one. I'd probably hurt y'all, but you know, no big deal. <laughs> Were you even born when the Xbox came out? You shut your mouth. <laughs> oh, it's just, <laughs> it's just too easy. <laughs> it's just too easy. I uh, waited in line for uh, Halo two is my first like midnight release. Actually my only midnight release game that I ever did. Uh, I went and waited in line at midnight uh, in front of, um, I don't think it was GameStop at the time. I think the uh, store that was still around was Babbage's. Um, if you remember Babbage's. Don't remember Babbage's. I didn't grow up in this area. So if you're talking Halo 2 days, I would have been uh, significantly south of here. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, so... Uh, we had Electronics Boutique. We had yeah. Software Etc. We had Game Crazy was a local franchise. Yeah, Game Crazy. Um, we had that too. Yeah, Babbage's, uh, I think, was like kind of part of like a weird chain that also included like a game store called like planet x or something if you'd ever been to a planet x no all right um anyway <laughs> electronics boutique eventually became eb games they became yep. gamestop and bought out all the game stores in town including babbage's which yep. i don't know center mall um but anyway 
I waited there for it, so. Yep. Um, so, yeah, what else we got here? Uh, oh, damn, we had a Babbage's in the mall here for a short time. Uh, yeah, I, uh, then it went to an EB Games, then a GameStop, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the game store yeah. uh, that I grew up with was Software Etc., uh, in Valley River Center, in, down in Eugene, um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, bef- and we also had an Egbert Software, which later became Newegg. <laughs> if I remember my history properly. Interesting. Let's see. Are you googling your history? Yeah, not coming up with any hits for that. See you all. Let this be a good, let this be a good parallel for current events. You know, if there is something in history that you're unsure about, you can Google it, and it'll yeah. tell you. You don't have to just double down on not knowing. You can, uh, you, you can look <laughs> things up. You have the entirety of human knowledge at your fingertips. There's no excuse for being wrong. None. You all own this. <laughs> Stop with this. <laughs> uh, can't find any info. A fun on week it. on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, you like that? <laughs> uh, let me tell you that let me Google that for you has never been more relevant. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, looking forward to when the host can finally go back to Jeff's house. Uh, so am I. I miss my friends. Yeah. I miss you guys. I am too. Uh, we were, and I don't I just, just say that with my wife and yeah, right. Yeah, I was just talking with my wife and you know, and uh, you know the conversation was just about doing the show or whatever and and yeah, she said have fun or something like that. I don't know exactly, but then I was thinking like, well, it's just not the same as like going there, you know, being I in this studio. My pint. This bottle is still not empty. Yeah, I was I was halfway through this pint. I just topped it off. Um, I think it's close. Oh yeah, okay, just a trickle left. Yeah, so I was halfway done with this oh, pint. Oh man, and, and now I have another beer. It ain't even nine o'clock yet, and I'm moving on to my third drink. Mm. Hey, welcome to life in quarantine, y'all. I don't have That's to drive right. home. I That's am right. home. That is the plus side to the Zoom. I'll drive there is, anyway, uh, but no, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, very helpful. The opinions of Rhett is awesome. Do not reflect that of Craft Computing LLC or its, or its affiliated channels. <laughs> and oh, remember, me, don't drink and drive. Facebook's hard, too. <laughs> uh, oh, is that what? We're not talking about Facebook. We're talking about drinking. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, idiocracy draws closer to being true Fair every enough. day. Can we just yeah. end it, go straight to the end game, and elect Terry Crews? Terry Crews for president. Terry Crews or Ted Crews? Terry Crews. Who the hell's Terry Crews? Terry Crews. Come on. Oh, sorry. I was like, oh my god, Ted Crews? Yeah. Why? No, Terry Crews, 100%. I, I yeah. really liked him. Terry Crews for president. <laughs> I'm embarrassed that I was like, wait, who are you talking about? Ted Cruz. Uh, 
Uh, that's just where my mind is, you know? Yeah. Uh, anyway. No, I'm not getting political here. Elect Terry Crews. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to go from, it's hard to pump the brakes, you know, when you're going 65 miles an hour, so. Yep. Tell that to Ted Cruz. <laughs> you mean the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, moving right along here. Uh, Jeff is going for number three tonight and I just cracked my second as well. Uh, no, Rhett's going for number three tonight. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. Uh, yeah. yeah Novella hub says it's a 750 mil bottle. So yeah, it's, it's a 1.9 ounce. That is, um, yeah, a handle yep. or a handle. God, why do I do this every time? Fifth. <laughs> uh, Demusant 10 says, uh, what beer are you drinking again, Jeff? It is inbound brewing company, barrel aged Russian Imperial stout. It is a 13%, and it is all of that. And it's delicious. It looks delicious. Yes. That's why I miss being at Craft Studios the most. <laughs> I, I do have some of the best stuff. It's that little, that little fridge right over there in the corner. It's a lot of money in that fridge. <laughs> it makes a man weepy just remembering. That's right. Uh, World Peace says, don't drink and drive. You might spill your drink, and that's alcohol abuse. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. The co the uh, commentary by World Peace do not represent those of Craft Computing, LLC, or its affiliated channels. Don't drink and drive. All right, moving right along here. Uh, boy, there was a story posted last week that got uh, fanboys of both sides into a bit of a tizzy. Um, whether you're team blue or you oh, bleed Lord. or you bleed red, uh, there was, there was a story that kind of fueled, uh, fuel a little bit of that fanboy fire. And that was AMD motherboards. Are they killing your CPUs? <laughs> um, you know, I'm seeing, you know, 1.45 volts on, on my Ryzen chip. Bruh, bruh, I'm not overclocking and, and whatnot. And yeah, mine's boosting to 75 megahertz faster than it than it should be. And, uh, everyone's going all this extra power and thermal and everything else is, is going to melt down your CPU and degrade its lifespan. And AMD is just going for the, you know, disposable replaceable CPU. And they're going to make you buy a new one in three years. Um, or at least that's what Tom's hardware would have you believe. If you read your article, uh, unbeknownst to you, your motherboard may be silently killing your Ryzen processor faster than expected. Hardware Info introduced a new feature today that say, that vendors say exposes some of the X570 motherboard vendors are clandestinely misreporting key measurements of AMD Ryzen processors, thus boosting performance. Um, now, the spec they're looking on at is CPU power reporting deviation. Um, and... While manufacturers of motherboards are kind of misrepresenting the true power use of CPUs, I will say the reported metrics that you're seeing in hardware info up to the latest version, when you look at the total wattage draw of your CPU, uh, was likely being misreported. Um, not by much, by a couple of watts, um, but likely being a couple of watts low. Um, now, what the power allocation uh, metric reports now is 
the actual power draw versus the reported power draw or the percentage of which your actual or your reported power draw is to the actual. So it displays it as a percentage. Follow me here. So if you're reported to be X and your actual power draw is Y, it shows you the, the percentage of X to Y. So if you're reporting 75 watts and you're actually drawing 79 watts, it's going to say, hey, you're actually uh, reporting 97%. There you go. So if you're drawing 75 watts and it's actually drawing 75 watts and it's reporting 75 watts, it's going to show 100% there and that's normal. Um, but everybody calm down here because number one, a couple of Watts is not going to make or break your CPU. It's not going to make it die prematurely. It's not going to heat soak it. Uh, if this were an Intel chip, I may say differently because of the heat sinks that they've included in Intel CPUs in the past, uh, namely either none or that stupid aluminum heat sink, which couldn't even boost an i3-8100 to full tilt for the, you know, required time frame. Um, versus AMD, you know, even the, the Stealth is doing a pretty decent job at keeping their 65-watt chips cool. Uh, and then you, you go up to the Spire and it's no contest. You've got a copper slug and a much taller cooler and better fans and everything else that goes along with that. Um, but Tom's Hardware sent off alarm bells throughout a good chunk of the community. And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of people kind of ran with, with their report going, you know, boo AMD, yay Intel for actually reporting the proper things. But hold on, AMD wasn't involved in this and neither was Intel. Um, this is actually the motherboard manufacturers eking a little bit more performance out of your Ryzen processor by lying to the processor to get it to boost a little higher. And this is something that's been seen for years. Um, I reviewed a Biostar motherboard when I was working for Modders Inc. Uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, uh, that that motherboard, it was a, uh, gosh, what was it? A B360, I think it was. It was a Coffee Lake uh, B360 motherboard, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and it was the Racing 5 motherboard. And I fired the system up and I turned on, um, oh gosh, uh, basically boosted the memory to 2666. Um, uh, oh, come on. What's the name of that? Whatever. Turned on the, the memory, memory boost and uh, got up to 2666, booted into the OS, and my memory was reporting at 2720 or something like that. And I went, well, that's odd for a non-overclockable system and what should have a max of 2,666 megahertz. Uh, ran uh, Cinebench and the test crashed. I went, well, that's not right. So I rebooted, tried it again, tried a new Windows install, tried, tried a couple of different things. And uh, every time I turned on um, uh, Memory Boost, um, why can't I not remember the acronym for that? XMP. Every time I turned on XMP and boosted my memory from 2133 to 2666, my memory would boost to about 2720 and Cinebench would hard lock. Uh, and I couldn't get through a test. I couldn't get through my benchmarks. Um, I finally figured out the reason for that. And it's because the base clock on the motherboard has been set to 103 megahertz. 
So it was overclocking by 3% every single metric of the CPU and the bus speeds from the factory. And 103 is a pretty hefty overclock for a, for a bus overclock anymore. Um, that's really not the way people overclock CPUs anymore. I mean, in the x58 days, it was totally the way to go. Um, I remember running 132, uh, but that was a different time. That was a different architecture, kind of, because um, it's still Intel and they still kind of sat on there. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I remember giving that motherboard a negative review because the default setting was to overclock all of your motherboard interconnects by 3%. And that doesn't sound like a huge margin, but it was enough to make Cinebench crash with my test bench. Um, and, and Biostar wasn't transparent about that. Uh, and there was really no way to turn it off uh, because it was just enabled by default. But these are tricks that have been used by motherboard manufacturers for generations. Uh, I mean, Asus got in trouble for doing the all-core turbo you know, instead of the single core turbo to like 4.2, they would boost all the cores to 4.2 when they weren't supposed to. Um, you know, and, and people freaked out about that because it's like, oh, you're drawing an extra seven watts on my CPU and you shouldn't, or some people were thrilled because they got an extra, you know, extra 300 megahertz on, across all cores. Um, you know, that... This has been done for years and years and years and years and years. And this is just another one of those things that it's a motherboard manufacturer trying to boost performance up to a level that makes them a little bit more competitive. Um, and none other than Dr. Ian Cutteris did a phenomenal breakdown on an Antec of number one, why this won't kill your CPU and breaks down the actual thermal mechanics of silicon and electromagnetic breakdown. Um, and then says, how do I know if, if I'm affected? If your power uh, reporting deviation is reporting less than 100% and your CPU is at 100% load, your motherboard is lying to you. Now, what are my options? If your motherboard is using your processor, but you're happy with the thermal performance of your cooler and the power draw at the wall, then enjoy the extra performance. It's only 75 megahertz after all. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you are upset about it, yeah, call your manufacturer, get a BIOS update, get, you know, get whatever else to turn the feature off. Um, but really, this is no different than what's been done for years and years and years. And it's not even like a transparency thing because the AMD boost spec is not a spec that you have to follow. It's a recommended specification that you can skirt around. You can boost higher if you want. And, and every AMD CPU is unlocked. And so motherboard manufacturers can set overclocks by default. Uh, now, not a lot of them do, um, but uh, certainly an option. Um, <laughs> Rhett looks mad frustrated. <laughs> I just keep getting notifications on my screen that my my connection's unstable. So, yep. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was listening to Craft on Pad podcast form this week, and uh, I just keep thinking uh, how stupid it's gonna sound this week. But uh, that's a small consideration. I ought to just get with it. But uh, I don't want to detract too much when Jeff's on a roll. So, yep. 
yeah. Let's see. Anyone else waiting for all the Intel shills to read that XMP is an Intel thing? Yeah, XMP is an Intel thing, and then AMD tries to implement it themselves by calling it AXMP. Um, and there's that's really the only kind of similar thing is that they try to take the Intel spec and apply it to themselves, but it's all memory timing and frequency and power load and everything else is all the specs that they're trying to read. So while it's technically an Intel spec, so is AMD 64 as a base computing operation. And so is Intel x86. Um, your, your Windows installation that you're using right now is AMD 64 architecture. AMD patented that architecture. And Intel's Itanium sucked. And so Intel had to bite the bullet and go, well, we might as well go over and use what they're using. Uh, just like AMD licensed uh, x86 architecture from Intel. They're, they're literally paying each other to run each other's architecture right now. So, ah, oh my God, that beer's getting better as it warms up. Oh, so good. Uh, I had a Biostar back in the mid 2000s and it was borderline horrible st uh, stability wise. I've had a couple of Biostar motherboards uh, dating back into the late 90s and early, early 2000s. And I agree, they were always finicky. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Um, uh, and the couple I've tested recently, they're finicky as well. Um, Uh, Rom says, I had an ECS motherboard on Athlon 2. I did get the fire. <laughs> you know, people, one of the questions I had when I was kind of reading the breakdown of this whole thing is, is you know, people, the, the sort of the breakdown of their CPUs is something that they were worried about when they're trying to kind of benchmark their system and all this sort of stuff. But like, when people were sort of looking at the, the numbers that were being reported on the benchmarking and stuff like that you know like what is the timeline to complete failure you know obviously this isn't a big problem for most people as the story sort of pans out right or looking at and it's a real concern what's the timeline on that because i feel like most people you know the cpus i'm buying i'm probably going to get my money's worth before it breaks down, you know? So I don't know, that was my big question, kind of getting to the bottom of the story. Did I lose you? No, you're, you, I, I got you. Um, so for those who couldn't hear him, uh, it was, uh, uh, what's the timeline on the CPU breaking down to the point where it will degrade performance or degrade to a point where it's, it's useless to the end user? Um, I think was your question. And- uh, Yeah. The answer is it won't, is the really <laughs> okay. short answer. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. As, as long as your thermal performance is adequate, uh, and by that I mean you have an adequate cooler installed, which every single AMD CPU comes with an adequate cooler. It's adequate to run it at stock speeds out of the box, even if it's boosting 75 megahertz beyond what AMD says the boost clock is. Um, they are adequate. They're not the best, but they're good enough to keep the CPUs within the range they're supposed to be running in. 
Um, now, if you were running a 3900X on a on a Wraith Stealth, you know, a 95 watt TDP chip on a 65 watt processor, you're going to have problems. But there's also overheat, uh, you know, safeties and protocols and things like that that the chip goes into to downclock itself to avoid damaging itself. It's not like the chips will intentionally damage themselves. And it's not like the motherboard manufacturers are going to intentionally damage your chips. Um, it's just... Uh, Linus actually did a great video of <sighs> GPU degradation of, man, this GPU has been pushed hard for the last five years and it runs a lot slower than it used to. Um, and I think he tested like an, uh, a GTX 580, uh, so a Fermi 580 card. And uh, he had a Fermi 580 EVGA that had been used in a system for five years and gamed on like daily for a couple of hours a day. Um, and he had EVGA send him a matching card, brand new, still in shrink wrap, uh, that had been sitting on a shelf for the same amount of time. And he put them into a system and they were identical. Identical boost performance, identical frame rate performance, no degradation whatsoever. It's not a thing. It's really not a thing. Uh, you can have other problems. You can have, you know, failing memory. You can have, you know, chips that go bad. And chips do go bad, but not like in a slow way. It, it turns on or it stops. Uh, or your GPU memory works or you get, you know, graphical artifacting all over your screen. Um, it's not like this slow, like, oh man, I think I'm having a little problem here. No, it's either a problem or it's not a problem. That's, that's how these things work. Um, the amount of math involved in these zeros and ones that are flying across your PCI express bus. Trust me, if you flip yeah. more than 1% of them, you're, you're effed. <laughs> so I, it, it's always funny hearing the. Well, you know, it used to boost to 1680, but now I'm only getting like 1520. No, you need to clean your fans. That's what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know, all the stories obviously break down to it being hysteria, but it's just one of those things like, okay, if you look at the math or whatever, you add it up, you know, is no, clearly not. When a Nantech is getting into you know the freaking atomical structure of your chips to define like what sort of breakdown that you could be getting <laughs> obviously you're kind of nitpicking a little bit right um yeah aside from physical damage or thermal limits being disabled and the cpu cooking itself the main way for a modern processor to become non-functional is through electromigration this is the act of electrons yeah. making their way through the <laughs> wires on a processor and ever so slightly bumping into the silicon and other elements in that the wire to move them out of the crystal lattice uh it is in itself a fairly rare event uh how long your <laughs> wires have been in your house for example however at the small scale it can affect and change how a processor works um but, and again, that's uh, directly from, from Dr. Ian Cutras, who, if someone says something on a matter, I believe him. <laughs> if he writes it down and it's, and it's published, it's accurate. Um, you don't have to question it. It's just take it as gospel. And I don't say that about very many writers, but, but he's one of them. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so at the subatomic level, you can have electron migration <laughs> and and degrade the quality of the wire substrate, you know, and contact the silicon and possibly damage that in some way outside of thermal or, or electrical direct damage. Um, but it still doesn't matter. <laughs> so, yeah. Good to know. Put it to bed. There we go. My friend's mom has a PC from the late '90s running XP, and it still works. Um, I have a. I know a couple people who are still running, uh, you know, decade plus old machines. Um, so. All right, uh, on to some ransomware news. Uh, by the way, what are you drinking now, Rhett? Because you, you said you're on your third beer, but you ha didn't even announce the first one. So what, what have you been drinking tonight? Uh, <laughs> uh, look, last or, week... Or do you want to announce uh, it? I took a little bit of flack for drinking Red Can. No, I'll announce it. I got no shame, man. I'm the guy <laughs> that's drank Rainier on the show before. That, so. That's right. You, do, you don't have um, any shame, so. Yeah. Look... I love good beer just as much as anybody on this show. Dang it. Gosh, darn it. Um, but uh, I'm drinking Hop Valley's Red Can. It's kind of their, their go-to light beer that they've started producing. Um, it's cheap. It's sold at the, uh, uh, at the market by my house for like 10 bucks for an 18 rack. Uh, it's hard for me to get to the grocery store or any sort of specialty store uh, anymore because, you know, the pandemic. Right. Um, so this is, this is what I've ended up picking up. I'm surprised at how tasty it is for being a light beer. I think it's only like four and a half percent. Uh, I don't know where I got that from. Yeah. It's 4.1%, but it tastes like a very bready. It's not as like full bodied as a Hefeweizen by any means, mm -hmm but it's it tastes fuller bodied and breadier than like a full-on Coors original or something like that you yeah. know um so i've been i've been enjoying these i mean it, it it's got a super bready taste which i really enjoy it's not too hoppy um and they're and they're super cheap and it's hop valley you know and i guess that they were bought out by anheuser bush i think we talked about that yep. uh, on the show before but like what Whatever, man. It's you know you still got locals down the road from us brewing this stuff. So they're brewing Budweiser, which you know I'll I don't drink Budweiser, but I'll drink yep. Red Can. So here we are. Uh, so uh, Demusant Ten says, "Craft uh, FYI, Ian Cutrus's Tech Tech Potato on YouTube." Yes, I know. Uh, he actually told me his uh, YouTube channel name back in January and was asking me and Epos Vox for some tips on uh, on getting online. And Epos and I told him the same thing. Just point the camera at yourself and start going, man, and and find your voice, because yeah. you're you, you're an excellent writer, and and you'll find your voice. Um, and uh, I've 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 actually really been digging his his early stuff on YouTube. So I I hope he keeps going with it, because, uh, um, you know, writing. I don't want to say it's a dying medium, but as far as news delivery, it's kind of a dying medium. Um, most people. And this has been since the early 2000s that a lot of people get their news on TV. You know, they don't sit down and read the paper anymore. They get their news on the TV. Um, no one 
or I, I shouldn't say no one gets on to like ESPN.com. They, they watch ESPN, but more people watch ESPN than get on to ESPN.com. Um, same with Fox. Sports, Portland Police with- Bureau gets on ESPN.com. Did you see that? I did see that. <laughs> Sorry. Right next to their, uh, right next to their paycheck run, but uh, login. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway. you realize you can Sorry drag that image out. And, yeah, you, you realize you can drag that image out and retweet that image alone rather than just taking a picture with your camera phone, right? <laughs> I, I, dude, that hurt me. Well, it looks like what they did is they screen capped it. And then they didn't crop it or anything like that. That's what it looked like they did. You know, it's like we ice cream crap all the time, but then you, you you crop it, you crop Mm -hmm. the dang image. You don't want anybody seeing, you know, what your crazy explorer freaking task bar. Oh Jesus. I know. It's just so funny to me. It's like, they got, it was like in this order, ESPN, Facebook, Fox news, golf, paycheck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Paycheck. That was, yeah. It was like, it's like, what are you guys doing over there? Why would you share this picture? And then they had the comics, the comics sons. Uh, um, gun was in there. Oh God, did I drop the call? Nope. No. Yeah. You, well, you did for a second. I'm but back. I think you're back. Um. But yeah, writing, dying medium, uh, unless you're me, I subscribe to local newspapers, digital only, baby, not the Statesman Journal. No, sir. Salem Reporter, headed up by a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, uh, journalist, uh, Les Seitz, I think, who you all can see in the documentary Wild Wild Country. He was an investigative reporter for the Oregonian, and now he heads up the newspaper that I subscribe to. Um, I don't know. I had to get, I had to get the plug. Well, I can hear Jeff typing, but no words. Sorry. I had to type that one in. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, moving on to some ransomware news. Uh, Honda ran into a bit of an issue this week, uh, which took down a large chunk of their global infrastructure. <laughs> um, so they confirmed a, uh, a ransomware cyber attack that happened at, uh, at some of their data centers and brought, uh, quote, parts of their global operation to a standstill. Um, this at, uh, at the time of reporting was affecting Cosima. Uh, I just tried to say Honda and customer at the and service all at the same time. Honda customer service um, and Honda financial services uh, were down entirely, and a lot of their other you know departments within their their organization were also having some issues. Um, so uh, Honda is one of the world's largest vehicle manufacturers in the world, employing more than two hundred thousand staff with factories in the UK, North America, and Europe. Um, and uh, they said that their factory should be back online as early as today, and that was as of yesterday. Um, but uh, but yeah, it brought a lot of their their factory lines to a halt. It uh, crashed their customer service support uh, network, 
it cracked their their financial support network. Um, there was a lot of damage done there. And I can tell you someone who's dealt with ransomware on a decently sized level before, it's never fun. <laughs> and I hope you had good backups. And also make sure to do a postmortem and make sure that no data actually left your network. Now, again, there's probably smarter people than me working at Honda um, in their, their IT security department. But uh, some, some ransomware attacks, while they're encrypting, will also send that data off to, to be uh, looked at later. So fun times for Honda. I'm glad I don't work for Honda. Yeah. Um, Honda's not alone. I know a couple other suppliers are down as well, but they won't reveal it till their quarterlies. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, have you ever used the Brave browser? I have not, but for whatever reason, since the Google story broke, privacy has been sort of at the top of my you know google news algorithm and all this sort of stuff and and people before this story broke were recommending brave browser and a number of other things and yep and you know until the true private uh you know there's nothing there to be super excited about so when i saw this story break i was like huh that's kind of crazy that uh I've probably really only read about this browser in the last two weeks. Yep. Um, and, and all of a sudden it's in the news for doing things it shouldn't have been doing. For, for redirecting uh, users. Yeah. Uh, so for those who don't know, Brave yeah. is a you know, browser. And I wonder, you know, I wonder how much of this is. Sorry. I'm oh, no, go, go, go ahead. You're good. I was just going to say, I, I wonder how much of this is uh, is sort of caused by the uh, the influx of users from a lot of these sort of algorithmic uh, recommendations and things that I've even been getting. Right. And all this, you get all these new users that are coming on, and then a bunch of them realize, hey, shady. Right. Um, so for those who don't know, the Brave browser is a privacy-focused browser. It is a web browser just like Chrome or Firefox or Edge or Internet Explorer or whatever you, you like. Um, that uh, um, basically promises to not monitor your activity. Uh, they're not collecting data. They're not collecting analytics. And they're trying to prevent uh, websites you visit from collecting those analytics as well. Um, so you don't leave any fingerprints or cookies or thumbnails or whatever else while you're browsing around the World Wide Web. Um, however, they've, uh, come under a little bit of fire recently because, uh, uh, you know, obviously Rhett mentioned the, the Google lawsuit with Google being sued for potentially tracking incognito browsing. Um, uh... Brave is now under fire for uh, redirecting traffic, not necessarily to a different site, but automatically forwarding you to a, uh, a crypto 
wallet and transfer site using their own affiliate code. And so uh, Cryptonator, uh, Cryptonator Leet, I love that name, uh, on Twitter so, said, so when you're using the Brave browser and type in uh, uh, Binance.us, you end up being redirected to Binance.us slash EN question mark reference equals 35089877. I see what you did there, mates. Um, that is their affiliate link code, and they get a small percentage of whatever transaction you make with whatever cryptocurrency you happen to be exchanging at, uh, at Binance. Um, and for those who don't know, that's ethically wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. Especially a browser that was supposed to be focused 100% on user privacy. Um, invading your privacy by redirecting you with their own affiliate code um, because affiliate links are also tracked and it tracks who visits them, when they visit them, why they visited them, what they did on the site. Uh, the analytics that I get from Amazon are startling um, <laughs> as far as what you all are buying with my, uh, uh, with my affiliate link. What's really fun is since the pandemic, people have been buying groceries with my affiliate links. So I get affiliate links for like bananas. <laughs> That's been a lot of fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, so uh, Brendan over at, uh, at Brave, said, we made a mistake. We're correcting. Brave default auto-completes verbatim Binance.us in, in the address bar to add affiliate code. We are a Binance affiliate. We refer uh, users via opt-in trading widget on the new tab page, but auto-complete should not add any code. So they're saying it was kind of unintentional, but also kind of intentional. Um, and uh, a disabling auto-complete will solve the problem. But the funny thing is that that autocomplete is a default. That their their affiliate code is a default when you visit that that uh, exact crypto trading site. Um, so who knows? Who knows if they're telling the truth? Who knows if it was intentional? If they just use their their autocomplete system to say, "Hey, can we send people to the affiliate store and start making money off people just using our browser and using that link?" Um, but, uh, who knows? It's first I've heard of them doing anything wrong. I feel like giving them the benefit of the doubt. Um, but I guess the end result is, uh, or the end, uh, comment here is do your own due diligence. Don't just trust that someone says, oh, Brave protects all your privacy and then trust it implicitly. Uh, because it's still on you to protect your privacy regardless of what tools you're using. Yeah. And that's a big gimmick, even when using a VPN, you know, you got to do your due diligence, make sure that they are not storing uh, information that they should not be. Mm -hmm. I mean, in privacy, itself could be a full-time job. Um, so, you know, make Make sure you trust that person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, 
I like the analogy for using VPN services that you're not necessarily trusting the VPN service to shield all of your information. You're pushing the circle of trust further out than your local area. Um, because the reason I have a VPN subscription is for when I'm on the road is, is not for when I'm at home and I want to visit some shady website or get onto my bank or whatever else. My bank already uses HTTPS. If you didn't know, that's encryption. It's already encrypted. Now my ISP may know where I'm visiting because they can probably see uh, the they can see the IP address of where I went because they're handling the routing for that. That's how routing works. Um, I don't use Comcast DNS. I use either Google or Cloudflare, depending on what my flavor of the month is. Um, and so they can't look up my DNS lookups and keep a record of that. But if I'm over an encrypted HTTPS signal, as long as everything is going over HTTPS, it's already all encrypted. Um, so I'm really not terribly worried there. What I am worried about is going to a coffee shop and using a public Wi-Fi and possibly logging into my bank there, or logging into my PayPal, or even logging into my email, which by the way, your phone does about 40 times a day. It sends your credentials over and, and re-verifies that you're allowed to be using your connection. Um, so even just connecting to a compromised hotspot with a really not sophisticated man in the middle attack using like a Raspberry Pi and a DNS redirect, um, you can give up your credentials um, or at least give up a cookie or a session handle or something like that that could expose some of your personal data. Um, that's what I use a VPN for. Um, so... And I don't necessarily trust the VPN in, in inherently either and explicitly. It's I don't trust the coffee shop, but I trust Nord more is kind of what it comes down to. Um, and and so a lot of the security commercials that you see in a lot of the VPN, you know, adverts that you see on a lot of YouTube videos, some of them do kind of overblow the, you know, you know, your data is important. Protect it with with blah, 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 VPN. Um it kind of works, but it's also a case-by-case case and a use-by-use use basis. You have to know what you're doing to protect what you're doing. Um, so that's my two cents on VPN. Hey, I'm going to sneak off to use the restroom. I can't hold it anymore. <laughs> uh, what's the most interesting thing you've been compensated for due to an affiliate link? Um, that's an interesting one. I once made $10 on a pair of Dachshund shoes. Um, I think that's, I mean, it's kind of a lame one, but it's a, it was a pretty high commission on that one. Uh, like a $90 pair of shoes. I made $10 on that sale. And there's been a couple instances of that. It's like, I made that on that. Um, I'm trying to think of like weird items. Cause I don't go through the items list very often. I will, when I put up uh, a full list of parts after I've had like a successful video and see how many people have bought parts from that particular video to know if that video was a success on the secondary market or not. Um, because I do make money directly from YouTube ad sales and I do make money from Amazon affiliate links, but they're not necessarily related to each other. If people watch a, a YouTube video, they could click on an affiliate link and go, oh, I was interested in that graphics card, but I happened to buy my groceries while I was on there. And I happened to use your affiliate link that came with the graphics card. Um, 
but sometimes I'll post a video like the Raspberry Pi Unify install. And all of a sudden I sell 27 Raspberry Pis and, and a bunch of the, uh, um, the UC Electronics uh, Power Over Ethernet hats and, and whatnot. I think I've sold like 40 of those since that video went live just a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that's really when I look is, is when I put a specific part list out there and I want to know if people are going out and replicating what I've actually done in that video, because it means number one, I did the video well. And number two, maybe I should expand on that concept and continue going with that subject. Um, so Jeff wants everyone to buy shoes, please buy your shoes on Amazon and buy them with my Amazon affiliate link. Oh my God. The commissions are huge on those. Um, by the way, I was probably just demonetized by Amazon for saying that. But yeah, I'm, I make like $9 every time you pair, buy a pair of shoes. So please, versus the 36 cents I buy or I get when you buy a, you know, network card or something like that. Um, so. Uh, NordVPN, the company which tried to hide a major leak from the customers. You check the, you, you trust these hypocrites. I've talked about this a couple of different times. Um... It wasn't a major leak. Let's be real. It was one server in one data center that had a leak that they couldn't have possibly known about. There's no, um, there's no possible audit that they could do other than a physical visit to that site and an inspection of the physical VM hardware that could have exposed that one. Um, and it goes, you need to trust your, your host providers as well. If you're hosting a, a you know, multifaceted company like NordVPN and Nord has since adjusted their policies. They didn't disclose the leak because number one, they didn't know who to ex uh, who to disclose it to because it wasn't a, a popular server. It wasn't a large leak. It could potentially have exposed customer data and it was open for a couple of months, but it was such a narrow attack window that the likelihood of it being exposed was, was slim to nil. And so I'm disappointed they didn't disclose it. But at the same time, they also reacted the proper way that I would expect them to react, which is redoubling up on their policy, making sure that doesn't happen again, and fixing the original problem. And so to call them hypocrites because they had a data breach, I, I think is a little disingenuous. And I've been a Nord customer for years. I'm still a Nord customer. I don't get a Nord affiliate link. They, they haven't contacted me. Um, I, I would sell their product if they did contact me because I've been a customer of theirs for years. So there you go. That's my, my rant on Nord and why any security service you sign up for ever will have a data breach at some point because security companies have to be right every single time. Bad guys have to be right once and that's all it takes. And so there will be data breaches. There will be exposures. There will be, you know, credentials leaked. It happens. It's part of this wild, wild west of the online that we have. It's how a company reacts that I judge them on. And if you're, gosh, what was the, uh, Equifax. If you're Equifax, uh, if you're Nord, you get a C minus. I, I wasn't thrilled that you didn't disclose it, but again, the attack window was so narrow. I don't think you had to. So take that for what it's worth. Um, 
All right. Uh, Jeff, you mentioned the idea of still running XP these days. I have an old PC running in the corner, running Windows 2000 installed April 2003. I let it run just because it's so old. Um, I don't have any machines that are quite that old. Um, in fact, I think my oldest machine is like 2017, uh, you know, because I do this for a living. So, um, although, no, that's not true. Um, my, one of my servers... It was built after that, but it's a refurb motherboard. Uh, my Both of my dual 2011 servers are, are refurb servers. So, um, Jeff, when will we see the virtual gaming server again? I've seen that question come up a couple of times already. Um, you'll see it very, very soon. I'm hoping to get back into that one this week. Um, that's a, a long, long process of, of research and, and testing and development and, and everything else because... Remember, I'm, I'm exploring technology that is six to eight years old and that no one wants us to use anymore. NVIDIA, EMC, VMware, uh, you know, they're not too happy that it was free to use. And so they've all tried to close Pandora's box and I'm trying to reopen it the best way I can. Um, so it's a difficult subject to explore and I'm glad you're all digging it but it's a freaking mind drain. <laughs> it is so, <laughs> it is so difficult to work on. Um, and, and I can only reinstall, you know, VMware so many times before I literally start pulling hair out of my head. Um, so, sorry, I got to switch earbuds cause my ears starting to get irritated. Oh, uh, your, little, your little ears starting to hurt there. Yeah, a little bit. That's better. I mean, you do look like a baller with that. Meanwhile, me, I look like somebody who plays Call of Duty while eating freaking Cool Ranch Doritos in one hand and Code Red Mountain Dew in the other. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> XXX360, Red is awesome. 420 Swag, YOLO, yeah. XXX. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. XX420, Blaze It, XX. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> uh, um, no, these are uh, these are really nice. These are the Sennheiser in-ear monitor uh, IE forties, I believe. Yeah. Um, these are phenomenal. I love these these headphones. When it comes to monitors, I'm Sennheiser all the way. Sennheiser, they're they're amazing. Uh, I've also got a set of uh, Audio Technica X fifties. Those nice. are my over the ear. So. Nice. I got the Bluetooth ones too, so I can go wireless. Oh, look at me. My yeah, name's me. Jeff. I go Bluetooth. <laughs> I don't have any wires on my in ear monitors. I don't believe in wires. I am all wireless. <laughs> back in my day, back in 2020, COVID was raging. We couldn't afford wires. No? <laughs> Not sure how to respond to that one. <laughs> I don't know. That's my impersonation of Jeff in 50 years, yep. year 2070. Yeah. He's going to be telling people why he didn't have wires. They're going to be like, but we have wires now. I'm like, yep. well, yeah, because, because uh, you know, you, ha you have to. Yep. Um, so I was having a conversation with my, my seven-year-old miss the other day. And, uh, um, I had to explain to her that we didn't have Wi-Fi when I was a kid, not even like we didn't have internet. 
we didn't have Wi-Fi. That blew her mind. Um, and uh, and she's like, well, how did your how did your tablet get on get on get videos? I said, tablets weren't a thing. Tablets were only a thing in the last ten years. Um, you know, smartphones have only been a thing really since the iPhone broke it open 2006. in two thousand seven. Um, and uh, seven. Six. It's two thousand six, dog. I used to do a joke about this stand up comedy. Because <laughs> it was yeah, because it was twenty six. The original iPhone the original iPhone debuted June twenty ninth, two thousand seven. No! It curls my joke because I did this. I used to do this joke about uh, because I think it was 2016. I think it was uh, what? What do they call that? Uh, uh, new? What was the space probe that went past uh, Pluto? New Horizon oh, or something like that? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Anyway, I used to do a joke about like New Horizon or whatever the probe was called that went past Pluto. And I said, you know, they launched this thing in 2006. What was happening in 2006? And so I did like a point by point of things that were happening in 2006. And I remember the iPhone being one of them, but apparently that was wrong. And then the, the punchline of the joke was um, because, of the, uh, because I had confused it for um, deep water horizon. Mm -hmm. If you guys remember that, the BP oil spill in the Gulf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, this, the whole punchline being somebody's telling me about New Horizon and my mind is Deepwater Horizon. And he says, well, you heard about that, right? I said, well, yeah, what's going on? He goes, well, they've, they made it to Pluto. And I'm like, well, what, they're going to screw that place up too? <laughs> uh, stupid joke, but always got laughs. <laughs> and then there was always somebody in the crowd that would say, Pluto's not a planet. Yeah. And I'd be like, I hate you. She's not wrong. <laughs> been mining it for plutonium for years. <laughs> now imagine telling your daughter that, you know, Pluto yeah. was a planet when I was a kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> all that deep core plutonium drilling, man, that, that, uh, that did us in. It's all yep. done. It's all done. Yep. That should have been a wake up call. I freaking love that episode. That's so good. <laughs> did you watch any of the newest episodes? Not to derail this too much, but have you watched um, any of the new season? I've watched uh, the first five. I haven't watched the second five yet. Uh, first of all, dude, the snake episode, so funny. Second of all, uh, yeah, some of the last five are really good as well. You should watch them. I, I've heard the last five is pretty good. I was at the snake episode I liked. Um, not, It's not in my, my top eight of episodes, but it was good. It was funny. Um, I feel this season they went a little bit Family Guy fourth season, a little bit American Dad eighth season where the characters are no longer characters. They're all kind of the same personality and they're just vehicles for whatever joke that they wanted to say. Yeah. Um, instead of them all being very unique, um, they all kind of blended together. And and a lot of cartoons make this problem. Uh, Futurama had this problem when they rebooted. Uh, you know, seasons two through six, absolutely amazing of Futurama season seven. When they come back, no one stays in their lanes. It's whoever happens to be on screen is the one that tells X joke. And it, you know, they're, they're no longer written for the individual characters. Their characters are written into the jokes and it's, it's lazier writing. If, if I, if I want to be blunt about it, it's interesting because I do still think that season three is the best written season. 
mm-hmm. just so sharp nonstop, and you're getting a lot more like diversity and turn like, himself into a pickle funniest i've ever dude, seen so funny and you're also getting you're also getting a lot of mileage out of uh beth and summer yeah um whereas you that was there in seasons one and two but not nearly mm-hmm. as much right and like i said um, season three they really became their own very unique characters yeah. and brought very unique aspects yeah. to the different shows that they were in and all of a sudden in season four, the debut episode, they're sword fighting with umbrellas on an air on an airport tarmac. Like what in the bloody hell was that? I don't remember that, but um, that was the, uh, Hey, do you want to develop an app? It was that uh, episode. And summer, summer goes off the rails and starts dating like any guy she sees on the app. Yeah. And, and they're literally like sword fighting with like an umbrella and I a cane on that. an airport tarmac. Yeah. And it's like, who the hell are you people? Yeah, that episode wasn't that, that impressive. It, but it's hard because when you have, like, the debut of season three is probably in the top of all Rick and Morty. Yes, yeah. So sharp, so fast, punchy yeah. all the way through. Um, yeah, I will say I went back. <laughs> yeah, good thing I saw that note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so funny, man. Um, and just everything with, like, Nathan Fillion and stuff at the beginning. So mm-hmm. funny. Um, yeah, season four has been interesting because I feel like it has some of the sharpest, uh, some of the sharpest like satire, I guess, of yeah. like real life, um, but not nearly as yeah. I guess I guess you kind of nailed it, right? It's like each character doesn't quite have their own voice, like you said. Right. the The dragon one was just freaking weird. Um, I kind of enjoyed that one. Uh... <laughs> I got to admit, I, but see, you know, I don't know. I was watching even, that. Even, even the snake episode. Um, the snake episode to me, I, it didn't make, I did not enjoy it until I watched it a second time. Yeah. And the second time I watched it, there were so many like little jokes. And then like the Terminator kind of satire, like really made yeah. itself more clear, which like I kind of glossed over the first time. Yeah. Um, um, but, but that, that episode even starts with Morty going, this isn't Morty. It's, it's Morty being a whiny little you know, uh, going, uh, or no, that, that was the dragon episode. The, the, the whiny, uh, you know, you said I come on the adventure. I get a dragon. I want my dragon. Where's my dragon? I went, where did that come from? Who, who wrote that? Who, why did they think that was Morty's character? That's not his character. Um, it, it, it was so far off base that things like that throw me out of the story and, and make the jokes not as punchy. That's interesting. You know, I'm going to have to, I guess I'm gonna have to watch season four again. Yeah, Jeff's voice in the back of my mind. I don't know how we got here exactly. Yeah, uh, because there was something. Uh, there was a reason. I guess I was asking if you watched the latest Rick and Morty. I well, just I, watched. I, well, I made a reference to that with Pluto. Pluto's not Pluto. a planet. Okay, uh, I took yeah. us here. Of course, it was yeah. me. It was you. It was you. <laughs> All right, back on track. We got places to get. We on bleeping computer now. Yep, bleeping computer. Uh, so this this has been a story that's also been in the news lately for the security conscious among you, and that is that certain websites are doing port scans when you uh, go to them. Uh, not even like when you log in, but if you go to eBay.com, eBay.com is port scanning you. Um, and the reason they're port scanning you is they're actually looking for malware on your computer, or at least that's the best defense that any of us can think of, is that they're making sure you're not calling back to a ransomware site or, you know, 
you're not VPNing through Indonesia or whatever the case may be, or not to pick on Indonesia, but um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, there are some sites that are port scanning you as you visit them. And it's been something that's been cropping up more and more. Um, so a lot of financial websites will port scan you. Not only, uh, not only do they want to know your IP, uh, but they also want to know uh, what services are active on your network and have you been infiltrated by potential malware? Is this a legitimate transaction and should I let you log in? This is now part of the authentication handshake. Um, but the interesting thing is uBlock Origin is stepping in and is now going to block port scans as part of its ad blocking software. Um, so... Uh, kind of good for the security conscious. Now I already run uBlock Origin on, on my Firefox install, um, mainly for talking heads so I can display, you know, yeah. random websites, especially the ones that John submits without all the yeah. political and, and satire ads on the side. Yeah, because now I open them up at home and I'm like, God bless. Adblocker yeah. Plus doesn't get some of these dang things. Yep, uBlock Origin. That's I know. where it's at. I should step up. Yeah. I don't know what's going on in chat, but I don't, I don't think I'll want to know. <laughs> Google assistant, you do your own thing. I, I can't follow chat because I don't want to risk my <laughs> bandwidth. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm like checking discord every once in a while. I'm like, still nothing. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I don't think we're quite to the bottom of the the port scan um, aspect of what's kind of been revealed over the last month or two. Um, I know uh, Tom's Hardware did a dive on it uh, recently, but he just went, yeah, they're port scanning you. They're probably looking for this. That's all I can think of. Yeah. And that's that's kind of my explanation as well, is they're looking for, you know, ransomware callback ports being open. They're, they're looking for uh, known malicious traffic being being generated um and and they're they're covering their own bases too because they don't necessarily want to be exposed any more than they want you to be exposed um so uh but yeah just a new service coming to uBlock origin figured i'd point you guys that way but don't use it especially on youtube or at least whitelist youtube because because i need money <laughs> don't we all yep I wish I had like a uBlock origin affiliate code. Like it could cancel out the YouTube ad revenue that I would get from getting people on there by sending people to uBlock origin. That'd be great. Maybe we ought to call them up. I think that's a great idea. I think we should totally call them up. I'll call them. I'm, uh, you know, in D&D terms, uh, I'm, I'm what we like to call the bard. Uh, the bard. It's the... That's not what I meant to say, but I said it anyway. I meant to say the face. Clearly, Jeff's the face, but that's not true. If I say I'm the face, I got charisma. <laughs> My spellcasting modifier is charisma. I guess I'm the sorcerer or the bard. So take that as you will. I think I think you're a bard. Thank you. Yeah. You could be my bard any day. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Um, 
So I kind of wanted to shift over to a little bit of gaming talk. And uh, this has been a concept that's been shot around since VR kind of made the scene with, with Oculus Rift, with even the original DK. Um, with uh, how do you walk in place? How do you how do you crouch? How do you do all these things? How do you make it feel like you're actually in the game and not just pushing a joystick forward to, to walk forward? How do you make yeah. it feel natural? And uh, the biggest thing that a lot of people have come up with is this kind of hybrid treadmill design where it's not really a treadmill. What it is is essentially bowling shoes that are non-slick. Um, and uh, it lets you walk friction-free on a surface and feel like you're moving. You can crouch, you can jump, you can do all these kinds of things. Um, and the game interprets that and moves you in the world that you're moving in. Um, I've never seen one done right. I've never seen one yeah. with a positive review. I've never seen one that someone said, this is the level of immersion I was missing. Because a lot of the, the locomotion in in vr games if you look at like half-life alex half-life alex gets you 90 percent of the way there um you know uh gosh uh fallout 4 gets you 90 percent of the way there i don't know that running through the wasteland is going to immerse me that much more it's probably just going to fog up my headset and piss me off yeah if if i'm being honest um and not that I don't think there's not a market for this. I know I just said a double negative, but I meant it as a negative. Not that I think there's not a market for this. Um, but I don't know what that market is. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because this is not how I want to play games. Right. I play um, games because I'm lazy. I play games because I don't want to go walking. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's interesting you know, the first time I ever saw something like this implemented was actually quite a while ago. And if you remember on, you know, Tech TV and then later G4, uh, Kevin Pereira hosted a show called Arena, mm -hmm. which uh, was a competitive gaming uh, show where you had mm -hmm. essentially esports teams facing off each other in some of the most competitive games. And the headline game was like always this VR game that they would play. And literally, I, I don't remember anything about the game other than the fact that they were on this weird treadmill thing. And it was this weird sort of 360 degree treadmill where they mm -hmm. could run and crouch and do all this sort of stuff. But that's all I remember about it. I don't even remember if they had like a VR headset or if they were like had some sort of screens around them or what it was. But um, that was kind of the big draw of the show. You know, I would rather just watch them all play uto4 you know for an hour but uh <laughs> they kind of broke it up to a number of different games yeah um but yeah i've seen a number of different versions of of treadmills and and both moving and non-moving this one's a stationary kind yeah. of bull-shaped uh thing um and i've never seen one that makes me go that's what i need yeah. that's you know that would solve all of my problems not only that but think of how niche of a niche market this is for. Yeah. Because only like five or 6% of gamers have VR headsets. Yeah. It's a growing market, but it's not a big market. Yeah. 
you know, how small of a percentage of VR headset owners are going to double down and spend fifteen hundred dollars on a locomotion treadmill? Right. And is it worth developer support to integrate that into games? Right. And how well will that be implemented? Is it going to be worth even playing two of your games? Right. On this fifteen hundred dollar treadmill. You know, and that's that's kind of the weird thing about the market for this type of stuff is that, like, obviously there are people that will buy it, um, and that's kind of drives gimmicky tech markets for you know years and years now. You mm-hmm. know, it's like I you could market me a hundred percent as a hardcore vested gamer. This is something I will never buy ever. Um. You know what I mean? I, I probably would have never bought a VR headset until, you know, until I met Jeff and got to use one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and now, now I'm all on board for that. I still don't have one, um, mostly because in order to enjoy games the way I want to, I don't, I don't necessarily need one. I want one, but a freaking, you know, motion-free treadmill. Mm-hmm. That's something that is so far beyond the scope of what I need to play games the, the way that I want to. Right. And again, I'm a hardcore gamer, I think, by any marketing metric that you could that you could look at. Um, I guess if I won the lottery, maybe I'd waste money on it. But is this something I'm going to budget for? Is this something I'm going to buy? Maybe I'm not the target audience. Clearly, I'm not the target audience, but... Right. But... Well, I Ugh. think someone like me is the target audience as as a VR enthusiast. And are you and... are you going to budget for this? No. Right. No. And that, and that's the thing. It, it, you know, to me, I have a I have a huge problem. You all see me say this a hundred times now. You know, every new kind of tech to me is like almost like a gimmick. And it's like wide a, screens are a fad, man. Yeah, dude. I'm still waiting for wide screens to go away. I, I'm gonna go ahead and adopt for now, but uh, but uh, you know, as soon as they go away, the world will be a better place. Hey, my last <laughs> build had a five by four. <laughs> was that right? I oh yeah, I saw the video. This my morning. arcade machine. Yeah. yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? Um, it had a five by four monitor. Yeah, right? yeah, I'm not I'm not joking around here. <laughs> no, but that's like I paid ninety dollars for that thing. Did you really? I did. That's a little much, right? Where'd the the middleest 2008 had to offer, and that's what I thought. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I wanted one that was flaw-free. I wanted one that was mm. perfect. Um, gotcha. So I, I found one that was 100% refurbished, unmarked, unblemished, pixel perfect. Nice. 90 bucks. I bought it. Um, and And that's probably the most I've ever spent on one of those monitors, including yeah. when they were new. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, widescreen, widescreen is the funniest thing I've ever said as a gimmick, but I will go on record and say that a motionless or whatever, uh, treadmill for VR is also a gimmick. Yeah. Um, this is okay. And again, I, I, I know that there's obviously a market for this just as though there is a market for people to buy, you know, $500,000 gold painted rocks or whatever, you know? Um, people but, buy those I can sell those right yeah I know every time I see people making money doing that shit I'm craftcomputingstore.com like, oh. yeah <laughs> exactly um, yeah it, it, again it's like that's never been needed to ship games 
and yeah. it will continue to never be needed to ship games. I mean, ga- gaming, obviously, you know, nowadays we've got the casual gamer, we've got the mobile gamer, we've got the hardcore gamer and all this sort of stuff. It's like, but you don't need this to play Angry Birds, which right. has made more money than this, than the company that makes this treadmill will ever make, you know? Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh on it. It's, I, I love the idea. It's cool. It's innovative. It's an innovative way to kind of solve the problem that I think like VR kind of tracking and, and movement and stuff uh, has kind of been after for a couple of years now. Yeah. But I don't, again, I don't know. I just see this as like, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and do a little bit of self therapy here and say that uh, this is just my, my spitefulness showing the fact that I will probably not like, it's not even that I, <laughs> I, I can't budget for it. It's like, all right, it's just out of my price range altogether. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I hate it. It's so stupid. And if you yeah. buy it, you're stupid too. Uh, I I don't necessarily know that I'd go that I'd go that far. Um, I, uh, because and I, if I, I am, in, I'm wrong. I'm trying to put that bit out there. <laughs> right. Because I, I've invested in in you know sim racing hardware before. You know, I've I've yeah. got a I've got a Logitech G25 and uh, and a I spent $180 on a shifter. Yeah. I, I have a Thrustmaster TH8RS and, and I love it. It's a, you know, seven speed shifter and whatnot. And I, I bought a, a, a hub adapter and a custom Momo steering wheel for my G25. Like it's all, it's all kitted out. I've spent, you know, six, $700 on, on that kit altogether. And then I've also got the, the sit down racing rig that was sent over by, uh, uh, oh gosh. Oh yeah, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the on the name now. I haven't used that. Yeah, um, uh, it it was decent. I I liked it. I I did like. They it. were the same ones uh, that did your. Yeah, it was the velocity, chairs, right? Yeah, the uh, no Gamdius is is my chairs. They had some Star Trek chairs. They were the guys at CES with the Star Trek stuff. Velocity, yeah. Uh, yeah. I I remember all this stuff kind of being right in the same spot, which is why I'm thinking yeah. of it. But yeah. Yeah, the, the, uh, yeah, the same company also had Star Trek chairs, and uh, and they had the custom board cube PC set up. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I I I did like that setup, and and that was a two hundred and twenty dollars setup or something like that. Um, so I do understand there's a market for niche gaming products and and whatnot. You know, I've I've bought expensive peripherals sure. before. Um, heck, I have the. Uh, uh, steel battalion uh <laughs> xbox mech controller and how many I, times I have that. you used that um less than the 150 dollars <laughs> for the controller was worth let's say that you are like me but with the money to buy these things <laughs> <laughs> you might be accurate again and i think that's again uh, that's why i was saying i kind of got to go into a little bit of self-therapy mode there because i i think a little bit of my my willingness arousal sort of, thank you skull my willingness to sort of my mom was on this it. this gimmick into a corner is the fact that it's not it's not marketed to me i mean right. it's marketed to my brain but it's not marketed to my pocketbook you know right but um, but even even the treadmill and and i'm i'm looking at like niche gaming products in particular and and you go back all the way to like the 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 SNES and the Super Scope 6 which was a $90 addition to a 100 yeah. or $200 console and and you look at the Steel Battalion controller which was $150 for a game for one game uh you you look at 
you know, all these weird esoteric peripherals that have come out over the years. Um, you know, there, there's the, uh, gosh, SciTech and then was later purchased by Logitech, but they make a tractor driving simulator yeah. controller with, yeah. with like the knobbed steering wheel and, and different levers and whatnot. They make one of those for people who enjoy the tractor sim games. I, so Why I'm not, not going to mark, fine. I'm yeah. not going to knock the niche gaming marketplace. That, that's not the goal of saying this. The goal of saying this is if they're marketing this as a general VR peripheral, which is what I'm seeing it being marketed as. Right. Um, like this is an addition to just an Oculus Rift and go get right. this because you can now walk around in your games. It's not what this is. And the software support I don't think is there. And I don't see the software support getting to the level that I feel they're selling this product at. Um, you know, when I buy a, a sim racing wheel and a shifter, I know there's six games I'm going to play in it. And I understand that. And I'm okay spending the five, six, seven hundred dollars because that's something I really enjoy doing. When I buy the Super Scope 6, I understand that it's a $90 game. And I'm okay with that. Um, you know, when, when I buy the, the tractor sim wheel, I understand it's $150 to play two games. I get that. It's part of the transaction. This is $1,500 and being sold as a universal solution. Right. When it's not. Right. So I, I think that's that's my main uh, counter to to this exact peripheral. Like, I love these weird esoteric peripherals. I own a number sure. of weird things. Yeah. Uh, but this one, no. Yeah. Especially when locomotion has come so far. And like I said, most of the games are... 90% of the way there to me forgetting I'm even in VR. Yeah. Uh, a couple of super chats. Big, big soon, $20. Can I be a mod chat in, in discord? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, and then Regan says, damn, $20 can buy you a mod chip. No wonder Rev was able to get it. <laughs> um, and then someone said, uh, Rev bought that th with hard work and dedication and goodwill. And I said, and whiskey. So yeah, uh, big, big, send me some whiskey and we'll talk. I mean, when I think about people that were watching Talking Heads and stuff in the very beginning, it's Rev, it's Skull, maybe a couple others, mm -hmm. you know, so <laughs> it's a little bit more than just whiskey, but the whiskey helps. So keep it The whiskey coming. helps. The whiskey helps. Right. Yeah. Uh, remember when we talked to like 15 concurrent people? Yeah. Today's a down day and we did 214 at peak. Excellent. So, yeah. Well, Happy hey, with that. I know we're not at the peak anymore, but if you're listening back to this, welcome all. Thank you for watching along. Well, the peak was only like 10 minutes ago. Well, I still welcome you all. Yeah. There's 203 right now. It's not like we fell off. <laughs> yeah, no, we were, we've been holding close to 200 since about 940. So they like the back half of the show. They like the, uh, the loaded part of the show. Right. So yeah. Say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got one more story to kick off. Hey, Techno Tim's here. How's it going, Tim? <laughs> well, Techno Tim. Says, says keep up the good work. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Tim. I will. You too. You too. You too with your channel. I'm going to go ahead and keep it up. Y'all notice my internet connection is stabilized now, so. 
yeah, you haven't dropped out for a full 30 seconds. It's amazing. It's been pretty incredible. You know what we can do in 2020. Uh, the internet is not a utility. I mean, look, it's better than when we were kind of doing some of those early remote shows and I was just like yelling through the pipes and the pulleys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping a string tensioned for 13 miles, that takes some doing. It was pretty impressive the kind of lengths that we had to go through to keep that yeah. happening. Yeah, to find just the right tin cans. I mean, the you know, you use the Campbells and, and you, you don't get a good connection. You got to go Progresso soup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Campbells is only good for your carburetor on a Harley Davidson. Yeah, yeah Progresso, uh, they call it tin, but honestly, it may as well um, be way less aluminum than you think, yeah. you know, so... It's more of a steel um, yeah, composite. Uh, actually, yeah, for sure. And that's why we were using it in the early days of crash computing. <laughs> what do you think about making an audio-only version of Talking Heads? Uh, Regan, where have you been? We're now on Spotify and Podcaster and yeah. Apple, iTunes, This has been Google. something I was talking about forever. And I'm so glad that, uh, you know, I, yep. I, I, that it, it was taken out of our hands and sort of just... Done. Yep. So, um, super cool. I remember thinking, I remember telling Jeff, I was like, this is how easy it is. And I remember secretly trying to do it myself. And I was like, oh, whoops, nope, that ain't going to work the way that I had sort of originally <laughs> planned it. Yep. No, um, I had, uh, you know, thankful uh, for Funky Monk, uh, one of my yes. longtime uh, Patreons. Um, this is this has been a subject that's come up a number of times over the last two or three years that I've been doing this show. And uh, it's, can we get an audio-only version so I can listen to you in my car or on the road or yeah. at my office or, you know, just headphones when I'm walking around? And I've always thought about doing it, but it's one more step in the process and I've just never done it. And Funky Monk said, hell, I'll do it. Good. And so he found me a service that was free to host and not only free to host, but also monetized. And will also get me onto like every major platform. Yeah. Um, and uh, versus if I went like direct to Google, it's like $12 a month. And it's like, I don't know that I want to pay $12 a month to, to do an audio only version. No, like, I, I don't know it. that that's like, it's not a lot of money, it, you know, and it's another avenue that people could listen to me to. But what am I getting out of that? Um, you know, I'm trying to spend my money wisely as a business. And yeah, uh, yeah so we found uh, anchor.fm which is free to host and will also redistribute my podcast to all of the services that are otherwise paid services to host your podcast on. Yeah. So. That's the thing is like any, any service worth their <laughs> salt is going to redistribute you. Um, right. You know, it's like I self host and mm -hmm. I still use services that redistribute me for free. Uh, right. Cause anybody doesn't know I do podcasting outside of this. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, That's why I, he has a crappy video camera, but really good audio. I had a great video camera. The first remote shows that we did. And now it's broken. Um, but you're right. I am a complete audio guy. Sensitive. Yeah. I'm very sensitive about it, Jeff. But I'm a complete audio guy. I do, I do music studio stuff. I do podcasting stuff. You're going to want to play that part um, yeah. back in the, uh, in the podcast because you broke up literally when you said, I'm an audio guy. I'm a guy. It's all, it's all coming together. That's the way awesome. 
Yeah. There's something, I think it's just karma. I think it's just karma. I've been a bad person on Twitter this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, so kudos to Funky Monk for doing that. I mean, yep. that's really cool. I've always thought Talking Heads uh, would be a really good audio format. What I what else I've always thought, and maybe this is something that we could look at doing. I always thought there was something we could sort of condense some of the Talking Heads segments into a Alexa. Um, what are, what do they call those things? Um, like an like audio a, short. Yeah, like the they, I guess like the news flash or whatever, the flash, uh, whatever they're called, well, flash alerts, and maybe not flash alerts. Or... There's like, but it's like, yeah, something. Uh, um, like I, I can tell Alexa in the morning. <laughs> this is the worst because I don't remember the exact thing I say to Alexa in the morning. I say, "Play my whatever," and she goes through and she plays like condensed like news stories for me. That all mm-hmm. these they like. Uh, my podcast has one and it's just, it's actually not our podcast. It's a couple of other things we do like weekly tips or whatever. Um, but I always thought that craft computing could take like a little segment or maybe condense something and have just as good of a freaking uh, flash briefing. That's what it's called. A flash briefing. And you can say, Alexa, play my flash briefing. And it goes through all of these skills, uh, and you know, lots of different news outlets have Alexa skills. So I've got like Reuters. I've got uh, there's a, cu- a couple tech ones that are on there. I can't remember what the exact outlet is. I think uh, I'm gonna butcher it. But uh, you know, I got my BBC. I got my NPR, Reuters, and a couple other tech ones. And then I've mm-hmm. got Game Devs Quest and 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 um, things like that. And there's some other entertainment ones. Like I think like wizards of the coast has one for like D and D and magic, the <laughs> gathering stuff and all this. It's like, and you just sit there and it plays through it in order. So I can do my morning chores, make my coffee, do my dishes and make breakfast and all that sort of stuff. And it's just feeding me stuff. And I always thought, man, wouldn't it be great to have craft computing? And it's like, Hey guys, welcome to craft computing this week. Uh, blah, 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 blah. We're talking about this in the news and blah, 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 blah. And this was in the news. And anyway, have a great day. And it's, you know, three minutes. Yeah. That might be something I could record, you know? It might right? be kind of fun. Maybe I'll put it onto you. Maybe you could record it for me. Yeah, why not? I could probably handle it. We just got to yeah. figure out. I, I got to go through because the Game Devs Quest one was done like three, maybe, yeah, I guess yeah. three years ago now. I got to figure out how I got that on Alexa. Yeah. And uh, I'd be willing to do something like that. Just condense talking heads if we got a couple talking points and yeah, throw it up. Yeah, heck yeah. Uh, Tyler, $2.99 donation. Stop saying Alexa, LOL. Oh, I'm sorry. You're turning, you're turning on everyone's Alexas. My, my Alexa, uh, onward is computer so that it's I can computer. feel like I'm on the enterprise. So yes, you can change it. But then when you're saying like, Hey, can you hand me the computer? It's like, I don't understand you. I'm like, shit. Alexa, it's like the clapper when the clapper commercials turned came on. Oh God! Clap on! God damn! Did, did people actually have the clapper? Um, I don't personally know anyone who owned one. I see them sometimes. Like I used to in the small town I lived in, I would go to the like pharmacy and go through like the as seen on TV aisle. That was a freaking real aisle they had. It was my favorite aisle. So they had the craziest, wackiest stuff that you never needed. And it was like, had one purpose, you know, it's like, here's the perfect egg soft boiler or like whatever, you know? And they always had clappers there. And I thought, man, I would love to get this, but like, 
I do so many things that could be construed as clapping. <laughs> I don't want my stuff turning on and off, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Did we finish our last news story? We did. Uh, the last news story is tomorrow. Sony will be having their PS5 event. So apparently uh, one week is enough time for the world to change and be ready for gaming news. Uh, yeah. So it was supposed to be on June 4th. They've uh, delayed it a full seven days, and now it's going to be on June 11th. Yeah. Um, you so know, PS5, oh. the future of gaming, and SSD tech unlike any other. Yeah. I'm excited to see this. I will say, you know, to your sort of sarcastic criticism, it's a week isn't long enough, but it's longer than most have given. Right. You know, that's, so it's very true. It's very true. Um, I, I do appreciate I, I, I don't want to come off as, as snide right. or anything like that. I do appreciate no. Sony postponing. <laughs> it's OK to come off as snide because like yeah. it's not long enough. The world hasn't right. changed. We're in the same place we were 13 days ago. It's kind of what I um, want to say. Right. But. Right. But we are. The but world. they've given more. Oh, God, I know. Right. <laughs> but they gave more than anybody expected them to, than anybody else has. I mean, it's like, right. okay, you, you you earned your right to have your, your conference about this freaking product. I mean, the yeah. sad reality is that life does go on, regardless of anything else. And we have a couple things going on in the United States. Sony's market is bigger than the United States. Yes. Um, that you know there are people that are standing in in solidarity with the united states but the market is bigger than those standing in solidarity with the united states yep. um so I, I i gotta give them props you know I, I wish they would go longer but the iron was hot they struck it what else is there to do you know so And now Jeff's furiously typing. I wonder what he's typing. Is he typing a comment? Yep. Oh, okay. Somebody's like, why are you talking about real life? Real life doesn't happen on talking heads. I don't come on here. I come on here to get my old tech news. You know, you ever heard of that technology news? The new broadcast about the, the old... Uh, ones and the zeros and the silicone and all that back before we had these quantum computers <laughs> yeah won't that be a wild thing i did oh i keep thinking of this as like a new father i'm like i, I love thinking about <laughs> things that are are completely obsolete you know I've, I've got nieces and nephews that are like 10 12 years old now yeah and it's like you know my oldest my oldest niece she remembers like pushing vhs like into the into the vcr in, in the morning, like watch movies when their parents slept in. All and they were stuff. old then. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, that was like a TV with a built in VCR that like wasn't ready to quit. Right. But my but but her sister flat screens weren't quite affordable for every room yet. So we still had that old Emerson VHS 19 inch combo. It, it was the same CRT that I was playing more went on on my xbox you know like <laughs> i mean i'm not kidding you and it had a freaking yeah. sweet like the reason i use it because it had a headphone output and my brother would be playing i think i had the same tv games. dude it was yeah. legit it was legit my yeah. brother would be playing computer but i wanted to play like whatever so I, but i couldn't play morrowind on the computer so i'd be playing morrowind on my xbox which i bought twice <laughs> and uh because <laughs> 
one was the platinum edition the other was the game of the year edition and uh i gotta get those the uh, oh my god now they call them dlc back then they called them expansions isn't that yep. weird um well no back then they sold you a whole game and then you got expansions now we get half the game and then we get day one dlc yeah that's pretty much when i gave up on being like first in line for games was when mm -hmm. it became like well if you pre-order you get this item and this item and i was like what no yeah. that's not what games are yeah and to this day that's not what games are to me i i try not to buy into the dlc hype or cosmetic item hype or anything it's like look i get it you know i played i played dota for five years dota 2 and i would buy cosmetics i'd play csgo i'd buy cosmetics but i'm always buying on like the, the secondhand marketplace i wasn't buying yeah. like direct brand new shit you know i was buying secondhand what was what was overly popular and what was cheap and I would sell rare items that I had, get a couple bucks, and then buy a bunch of cosmetics that I liked and things like that. Um, and it was fun. It's a fun way to play CSGO. It's a fun way to play Dota 2 and all these sorts of things. Fun way to play Team Fortress 2. But, um, but like, man, you get on that DLC hype, and they're like, well, you get this special in-game armor and blah, 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 blah. And I'd like, yeah. I watch my friend play Mass Effect 2. He never changes his armor. Meanwhile, me, I'm constantly got that, like, Diablo 2 armor upgrade bug right. going on i'm just like yes i got this new armor. none of these match yeah. but this has better yeah, specs exactly exactly you know and and that's what it was for me and i just remember thinking like man what you get what for pre-ordering you get what for waiting in line at midnight this yeah. is garbage i ain't a part of wait, that. wait i uh, wait wait i bought from gamestop not best buy why do they get the rpg and i get like a sniper rifle yeah how gross right like how yeah, boring what the crap how boring you know Remember my just wait six months get the game of the year edition and get it all right exactly yeah and uh and i bought basic morrowind and uh, when i realized that there was like some expansions i wanted to play about the game of the year edition for the same price that i bought the platinum edition and um, the, the the great one was uh if you pre-ordered various versions of call of duty you got bonus you got the option to buy bonus maps a month earlier than other players how boring how basic <laughs> not even like That's... you got them for free you got the option to buy earlier that that sums up call of duty fans yeah. in general and i don't mean that just here's the thing you know i remember going Activision. to my first land party i remember going to my first like real land party yeah um like when and when i say real i mean like like pdx land type of thing right like yeah there was a there was a land in salem and it was called um uh it was called prodigy land that's what it was called maybe i should send some pictures i think they're on my facebook or maybe my old myspace or something like that but it's called prodigy land and it was a big event and they'd rent into space and they'd sell spots and they'd have uh corporate sponsors and prizes and things like this and 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 then you'd go in and, and people would just play games but then they'd also have events and they had like counter-strike source events and they had like quake 3 events and uto4 events they also had call of duty two events and i remember like dude call of duty 2 was the shit what yes. a great game yeah what a great game and uh and and that was like man call of duty was legit now i kind of passed over call of duty 3 you know it's like i remember on x play and all this on g4 or tech tv or whatever it was at the time it's like well, the World War II troops tropes overplayed and then of course you get call of duty 4 which is like a breath of fresh air yeah. Not only was the single player campaign like revitalizing like, like and good, good, 
Right. Multiplayer was good. Well, they ha- haven't changed their formula, as far as I'm aware. I haven't played a single right. damn Call of Duty game since Call of Duty 4, because, like, how many damn Call of Duties can you come out with in that <laughs> amount of time, you know? Well, they're starting uh, to remaster. So, so they have four remastered now. Oh, good. I don't know if you knew that. I'm glad that's happening because right. it needed to. Right. I'm happy to play Quake 3. I can't 3 stand and looking at those 2012 graphics. I mean, that's right? just awful. Right. That's the thing, dude. I got I got some of my friends, like, when, when COVID hit, it's like, yo, we should get some games together like we used to do for LAN parties. And we got Quake 3. We got UTO 4 going. We yeah. got UTO 4 going with the Carball mods, dude. Did you ever play Carball? Didn't play Carball. Because Carball eventually became Rocket League. Like... And now you got Rocket League yeah. and all this stuff, but we played Carball. And it was UTO4, but your character was a car, and there were power-ups like rockets so you could shoot and like hit the ball, and there's boosters and all this sort of yeah. stuff. It's Rocket League, but UTO4 mod. See, and- see back, back in my day, it was... Um... Uh, Jedi or uh, yeah, Jedi Academy Dark, or whatever. Dark Forces Two, Jedi oh, Knight, Jedi Knight. Um, uh, and uh, you played with Masasi.net mods, which, by oh, the way, yeah. Masasi.net still exists. It's still live. You can still download the mods yes. today. Um, but uh, there were like some modern weapon total conversion kits that you could buy. And so you're playing a Star Wars universe with a lightsaber and an AK-47. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what we uh, that that's what we jammed on. Yeah. Back when it was dial up to eight player servers and yeah. That's legit. That's legit. Hey, speaking of mods and all this sort of stuff in old games, I, I wanted to break the story a couple of weeks ago, but I, I didn't get to be on Talking Heads, and I meant to talk about it last week. But anyway, Morrowind still dropping new mods. Game's almost, I think the game's 19 years old. Something like that. It's 18 yeah, years old. I, I want to say 2002. Are you going to say 2002? 2002 feels because, right. Because do you want to be wrong again? Yeah, uh, I do, but I'm willing. I think 2002 because it came out the same year as Gothic 2. Which yeah. I'm pretty, th- pretty sure Gothic 2 came out in 2002. Um, so 2002. Yeah, eight, Nailed well it. done. Well done. By the way, again, you have all of the knowledge of humanity at your fingertips. Use it. Don't be wrong. There's no excuse. You're talking to the the audience, right? Because you know, I was close, and I, I'm talking, and I said, you're I'm probably to, right. I'm talking to everyone. Okay you, okay, you included. All right. Hey, you're right. I I should have known better. I should have known, known better. Yeah. Plus, I talk about Mormon all the damn time. But right. uh, but yeah, 2002. So it's I think it's 18 years old, um, and uh, they're still dropping mods. And in fact, I think it was like three, four weeks ago at most. Um, Morrowind Rebirth dropped one of its biggest yes. updates ever. And if you guys haven't played the Rebirth mod of Morrowind, man, plug that in. It is not very compatible with. Um, like the Mormon graphics overhaul mods and things like that, uh, which you can find on on uh, Nexus mods, but uh, mainly because mainly because the um, fauna uh, kind of overhaul that's in the graphics overhaul that makes plants look amazing and things like that. Uh, because I think they're they're scripted to where like the texture map is and things for the terrain, um, and the rebirth mod changes the terrain map. So where you might have had 
a hill that kind of dipped and then went up here. Now in the rebirth mod, it goes up and then it dips afterwards. It, so it changes the terrain overall. And so the 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 fauna mod of the overhaul is yeah. you're trying to go and all of a sudden there's plants in the middle of the air or there's plants underneath sticking through and it's kind of confusing. I, I've done it that way. I've played it. It doesn't break the game. But, uh, you know, something to, to be on the lookout for. I mean, if you're playing Rebirth, uh, maybe you're not as interested in the graphics, graphical overhauls as others. You're just interested in kind of the gameplay um, add-ons and things like that. But man, like the, the additions that they added to the latest Rebirth, uh, <laughs> it's so big, man. It's so cool. And I love that Morrowind still has a modding community that's, that, that's that passionate, that is that involved um you can find that on next mods uh if anybody plays morrowind um i know fractal andrew will probably watch this in the future if he's not and he'll be like morrowind why don't you shut up about morrowind and then we're going to talk about phantom menace no 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 remember he didn't want to be fractal andrew he just wants to be plain andrew oh just plain andrew just plain andrew yeah not fractal andrew okay he's not going to be fractal andrew okay all right well then andrew there's fractal josh and then there's just andrew all so right. see, I'm respecting your wishes, Andrew. I, I don't remember that, but I, I'm I'll respect it nonetheless. Um, so Andrew, Morwin's the shit, dude. And so is the Phantom Menace. Come mm-hmm. at me. What are you gonna do about it? Um. Anyway, Rebirth mod. It's on Nexus mods and all that sort of stuff. Man, it adds cities. It adds imperial bases. It adds dungeons. It adds items. It adds quest lines. I mean, this is a this is an overhaul mod, it, it, and you can play it sort of vanilla graphics and things like that. I don't mind the graphics of Morrowind and all of that. You, there's some extra mods you can add on top of it if you want, but I think Rebirth as a standalone will revitalize Morrowind if you haven't done it yet. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I, I might yeah. give it another playthrough. Dude, I I play it all the time, and you know, it's like my biggest live stream on Twitch ever was playing Morwen. I, I had like 2,000 people watching at one time. Nice. Uh, and, and and it's because, there's a, you know, my most successful podcast to date, I released 10 episodes of. And to date, it still outstrips Game Dev's Quest, which is which puts out episodes. It outstrips my D&D podcast. Isn't that it's frustrating? Putting, it's, I mean, it's frustrating, but it's like, of course it would. Yeah. Like, how can you have a hyper niche um, show and not have it outperform something so general as game development or whatever, or right. D&D. The, you know, when we started the D&D podcast, there was a few D&D podcasts. Now there is a thousand D&D podcasts. So it's like, obviously, you're not going to outperform. But how many Morrowind podcasts are there? There's not many. There's a couple Elder Scrolls YouTube it's shows. It's 18 years old. Yeah, but it's the best Elder Scrolls, dog. <laughs> um, look. I love Oblivion. I love Skyrim. Something about Morrowind that is just that much better. Um, I my my problem is take this with a grain of salt and don't attack me. No, okay? I won't attack you, man. You're okay. welcome to whatever you want to think. We've had this my, conversation a hundred times. We've had so. this conversation. My problem is Morrowind doesn't play like a modern RPG. It plays like a '90s RPG. And that's, is a, that, that's part of the charm of it. Yeah. But also the control scheme is just kind of whack. Yeah. And so and change. going and and you can change the control scheme. And and I know the 
the physics in, in Morrowind are a little questionable, but they're questionable in every single Elder Scrolls game because they use the same base engine for everything, just like just like Fallout, just like yeah, you know, whatever. Um but there's something about Morrowind that feels a little bit more janky than some other games that I try 100%. to play. hundred percent. And and it's a great game. I don't diminish the game, but going back and trying to replay it, it it feels jank. <laughs> Did you ever play the Gothic games? What Gothic one and two? Uh, I. Th- think i did way back in the day because because i played i played black and white i played the gothic games i played morrowind yeah um you know gothic, go, go through like all those different rpgs yeah gothic was one of those wild ones where it's like you don't need a mouse mm-hmm. like you're you're navigating using the directional pads and then like the action button was like hold control and then you press directional arrows to do sort of stuff it's so janky it was so wild mm-hmm. um still to this day one of my favorite games i i i remember like a couple years ago there's a snowstorm and i thought oh my god they're selling this thing on steam it's on sale i bought it i installed it i played it on my laptop i remember being like at my in-laws the house is snowed in cars ain't going anywhere i'm just playing gothic (laughs) and it was so amazing it was so fun and that's the same thing with with marwin it's like yes it is it is dated the control scheme is dated. If you have the ability, change the controls. Yeah. If you have the ability, the Morrowind overhaul patch, uh, I think, or no, excuse me, it's called the Morrowind code patch, MCP. It changes some of the like code bugs in the game to make it more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. One of the things was people complain about how much cliff racers attack them. You know, these flying, these flying creatures coming down. And yeah, you'll be walking, you'll be walking through a valley and you all of a sudden Yeah, all the time. Yeah. The reason being is because they put a decimal point in the wrong place. Yeah. And so instead of having it's the Gandhi nuclear strike all over again. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like instead of having like a 10 in this like variable position in their code, they had a hundred. <laughs> Yeah, and which just increases the sheer amount of. But what's fun is they fold it into their lore. So you play Skyrim yeah. and you go into the, what do they call it, the Soul Cairn in Skyrim. Mm-hmm. You meet Saint Geob, and you're like, who is this guy, Saint Geob? This is wild. Little Geob is the first character you meet in Marlin. You never meet him again. He was on the ship before you leave, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And apparently in the lore, they fold it in. It's like he 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 freed himself on Morrowind and goes and vanquishes all. He just kills all of the of the cliff racers <laughs> and that was lore that was involved in skyrim so it's like this weird code error that they had became lore in elder scrolls you know years later but yeah morrowind's janky it's buggy it's weird you say it reminds you of a 90s rpg and that's because it, it like literally elder scrolls was supposed to be a a a coded developed port of their homebrew D system right that they were playing and that's why it's so weird. That's why you're swinging your sword and you're like, I'm hitting this guy, but why aren't I hitting him? It looks like I'm hitting him and all this. And, and that's well, because you're rolling threes. Yeah, right. And there's off-screen dice rolls happening. And so yeah. when you understand the mechanics that are happening off-screen that you can't see, it, it makes the game more bearable in the sense that, okay, well, if that's, okay, I can do this. And then all of a sudden it changes your perception of what mm. you do. And all of a sudden it's like, you get to the point where, and I say this, like, if you get to the point where you can start exploiting the game without looking up the game, 
without looking up the exploits, it makes it that much more enjoyable because suddenly you've realized how to earn God's status. And, yeah. and you've done it on your own. And I will guarantee you, if you haven't played Mormon, it is possible to figure out how to exploit the game without looking it up. And I encourage you to do so. It doesn't detract from the game at all. It's not like going into GTA 3 and typing in blah, 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 God mode, which does ruin the game. No, it's it's jumping for for every single movement that you do. And within about 30 minutes, your acrobatics are at level 200. And you right. can literally jump over buildings. Right. You take <laughs> off all your heavy armor or you drop all your items. And all of a sudden, woof, you jump, and you're just jumping over cities. Yeah. And and that's something that you learned on your own. Oh, sorry. Fast travel. <laughs> right. Well, that's, yeah, man, don't even get me. So I just love, I just love Mormon. You know, it's like in a world where we sort of like put too much emphasis on like the typical Western European, like fantasy world, yeah. like Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or whatever have you, like oblivion and skyrim fall well into that you know and i remember playing skyrim and i was like man i love the setting and all this and my friend goes yeah but it's the same as everything else it's the same fantasy setting i was like what okay yeah you got dragons and you got castles yeah it doesn't get more stereotypical than that the only difference is right. you got snow um and same thing kind of with oblivion you know oh and we have elves and orcs and dwarves and it, exactly exactly <laughs> And you got kind of the same thing with Oblivion, which I was like, oh, yeah, of course you do. Morrowind, man, you got this weird caste system. You're at the bottom. No, you're not the Dovahkiin. No, man, you're not the freaking hero of Kavach. And, this... and also, and also the, the the mage wizard from, uh, you know, from the uh, Winterfell. Right you know academy and also the the prince of the thieves guild and... right exactly yeah. man and morrowind you can work yourself up to kind of some of those things but like you are an outsider through and through and everybody that lives on the island of vardenfell they treat you like you do not belong they use racist slurs against you you yeah. live in a land where there are mushrooms that grow taller than buildings and there are wizards that decided that they're going to live in these mushrooms and there's people that decided that they're going to live in these weird caves near this blighted region of this volcano and all this sort of stuff man it, it is the most alien and most exotic fantasy world i've ever played a game in and that's why i go back and when you got people putting work into rebirth that is why i go back because it is alien and it's foreign it's unique it's intoxicating it is not dragons and castles and dungeons it's more and on that note i think that's uh, gonna be our time for the night May your travels bring you warm sands. <laughs> uh, this has been Talking Heads, episode 136, every Wednesday night here at 8 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news. Check me out on Twitter at Craft Computing. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Drop me a like in this video. Look me up on Spotify, iTunes, Podcaster, Google Podcasts. The list goes on uh, on audio format. Uh, go and jump over to Rhett's stuff, uh, gamedevsquest.com, and look Rhett up at gamedevsquest on Twitter. Also, Rhett is awesome on Twitter. Um, and I think that's about it. That Anything else, Rhett? It. Got anything to plug? Uh, nothing, nothing to plug. I will say one thing. You heard me talk about my D and D podcast. That is at chaoticamateurs.com. No, it is not a porn site. That is a D and D podcast website. Check me out there because that is active. That is doing episodes every week. Game Devs Quest. We're a very passionate community, but we're figuring ourselves out kind of at the moment. We, we've been going on for three plus years, but 
we're kind of in the middle of like a, a restructuring phase. So check out Game Devs Quest for sure. Join us on Twitter. Join us on Discord. Join us on our website, gamedevsquest.com. But check out my D&D stuff too if you like RPGs. Awesome. Uh, join the Patreon. Link in the link is in the description below. Minimum dollar, minimum one dollar donation gets you access to my exclusive Discord server. When I say exclusive, I mean there's no riffraff on there. It's if you pay a dollar, you get in, and what you get for your dollar is ownership of the Discord server. That is, you make the community. Uh, and by that, I don't mean you make the community. I mean you get to join the community with me. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, I, and as it's somebody, an awesome community. Yeah, as somebody who's got kind of like two distinct Discord communities aside from craft competing, craft is the best. So pay your dollar, Aww. get in there, join us. No, I, I'm not even being polite. I got one Patreon only. I've got one uh, open to the public. And there is something about the craft community, the people that have chosen to vest themselves into it, the people that are continually returning and helping others and all this sort of stuff man, it is the best Discord community that I am personally a part of, and I'm a part of a lot. So, yep. and, and, I can, that. and I can second that, but I'm a little biased. But yeah, he, he check, is out biased. The, check out the Patreon down in the uh, video description. Think about joining it. Uh, you're literally helping me keep the lights on around here and helping content come back directly to you. Uh, and if you at me, I'll respond. And I'm constantly in there. I'm in Discord pretty much every single day. I usually try to take about one day a week where I'm not on social media, but I'm in Discord six days a week pretty regularly. And so is uh, John and Steve both. And then Rhett jumps in from time to time as well. Uh, I'm when the he's least not doing active. His, <laughs> and then when he's not doing his seven other things that he does. <laughs> yeah. That being said, I will say whenever I get on the Discord, it's always shows me craft computing is typing this to whoever. I'm like, oh my God, he's always on. <laughs> He's still awake. Yeah. He's uh, still so. awake or he's already awake or yeah. I mean, take your pick, man. Come I, join I our up, discord. Yeah. I'm up at pretty much six 30 every day because my dog decides that's when I get up. Uh, so I get up, have a cup of coffee and you know, for the last three months I've been home. So it's not like I have to drive to work or do anything like that. So. Well, here's to many more days at home. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, you know. Hopefully, eventually. And this this is showing that people can work from home. So, <laughs> hopefully, we all get to do it someday. But yeah. anyway, thank you guys so much for watching this episode. And uh, as always, we'll see you next week. Cheers, all. Take care. <laughs>